Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. What if you could live to be 120 years old and remain active, healthy, alert, and vibrant? Our bodies are made up of cells that are constantly rejuvenating. So if we take proper care of ourselves, we can literally defy aging. Join us every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time to learn about self-cell care from Susan Essentials on the Female Solution Blog Talk Radio Show. Learn how to help your body and yourself feel rejuvenated each day through proper nutrition, sleep, frequency medicine, and many unconventional methods of self-care. I'm Jody Susan. Join me and my amazing guests by calling in at 515 605-9325 and press 1 to speak. We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today. Well, grand rising, everybody, and welcome to the Female Solution Self-Cell Care. And, you know, every uh, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, we we bring you um, the latest and greatest of, of real health, and um, today is no different. Actually, it's, 
let me reframe. Actually, today is very different because I have uh, Tom Whitmire here, a certified doula, and he um, blew me away um, about birth and pregnancy. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that I don't have kids. And when I was 13 years old um, and in high school, they showed us a movie about how children were born, and that was all I needed. <laughs> Just going to say now. All I needed was to see what they were doing in the emergency room or the whatever room, the hospital, and I decided to opt out. Now I really know why I opted out. And without further ado, let me bring on Tom Whitmire. Grand Rising, how are you? Aloha. As, as, as we say, hello in northern Michigan today, it's uh, aloha. Aloha. <laughs> so happy to have you here and to have you share um, about optimal birth and, and the truth about pregnancy. Uh, the information you have is so profound. So what, where would you like to start? Um, I'll let you uh, run I'll let you run with this. Go for it. Well, I'll start by saying this. Uh, I'm in activist, and uh, towards the end of our talk, I'll tell you and the listeners a little bit more of what that means. Uh, the lady groundwork, I kind of say this is my other opening statement, um, that I believe birth is a natural process that sometimes happens medically, not a medical process that just sometimes happens Naturally. Right. Today, I'm going to uh, tell everybody about birth, so the truth about birth, pregnancy, uh, fertility, and uh, it's not what you think, so it's going to be a, a wild ride, and for example, um, you know, we have this, you know, scene that you immediately put a hat on the baby and swaddle them up, and uh, we're going to look behind the scenes today and how that uh, might not be true. Okay, we'll take it. And, and we have Teddy June here, and she says, Dear Susan Essentials, you understand me, and, and actually Tom really does, but uh, my kiddo was born at home. Hospitals then were for the sick folks. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay, so take it away, Tom. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting in your introduction mm -hmm. that instead of saying delivery room, you said emergency room because every delivery room is set up as an emergency room. They're not set up to deliver a baby. They're not warm. They're not comforting. They don't have soft lights. They don't have, you know, a salt lamps. They're not playing meditative music. People aren't, you know, dressed in natural fibers or naked. They're set up as an emergency room. And that doctor that's in there delivering your baby, the OBGYN, they are, they're never trained how to deliver a baby. They're only trained what to do in case of emergency. So for them to feel comfortable, they need to take every birth and treat it as if it's an emergency, it's in this emergency room, and we have all this emergency equipment, as opposed to a midwife, a naturally trained midwife, who is trained on how to deliver a child and how to give birth as opposed to just how to do interventions, uh, you know, invasive medical treatment and to use technology that they can train. Everything's about chemical and technology in the uh, standard birth in the hospital as opposed to what a doula and a midwife 
may bring you at a home birth or in a birthing center. Well, so, right. And so that is my mindset because, I mean, that's how it's been framed and programmed to me over my lifetime that, uh, you know, emergency, you see the guy driving the wife in the car, an emergency to the hospital, he's passing by all the, you know, all the other cars, like almost killing his wife on the road, right? <laughs> because he's trying to get to the hospital when you can just have the baby at home. Yeah. Right. And so, um, for me, and you have that thought. You have that thought in your mind because not millions, but billions of dollars have been spent by think tanks and boards and multinational corporations to put that in your mind of what you think birth should be about it, to make you think that it's supposed to be about pain, that it's supposed to come sudden, that it's supposed to be about pain, and then you're supposed to be rushed to the hospital, put on an emergency room gurney, go through the emergency room entrance, be laid on your back, and then rushed into this room so that they can hook you up, so that they're taking the birth process away from you they're putting all of it back on the hospital, saying the hospital is in charge of your birth. You're no longer in charge of your birth. And they've done this by when, you know, friends, you know, Rachel gives birth on friends or whatever the next opportunity uh, to show. 13 they're, years they're, old in high school, honey. 13 uh, years old in high school with the movie in class. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's where I saw it the first time. Yeah, I'm going to be 60. So that's, you know, going back a few years. Yeah, so they only show you the medical invasive birth with a woman on the back with her feet up in the air and the stirrups and the doctors on a stool looking in there. So let me ask you a question. Why are the why are we making it so difficult for a woman to give birth? Why would you be on your back? Because they want you to ask for help. They don't want it to be easy. They need you to ask for the pitocin. They need to ask you to ask for the epidural. They want you to have a C-section because it's about a stream of revenue for them. And I and I will I'll jump in by saying that the worst possible way for a woman to give birth is if she were hanging by her feet completely vertical. The yeah. second worst way in the world is if she was laying on her back with her feet in the air. Yeah, my my horse gave birth, right? She didn't put her feet up in the air. <laughs> Say, boom. An indigenous woman may just be walking down the road. She'll feel the baby come, and she just reaches down, squats knee to nipple, uh-huh. just like you're squatting in the field, and the baby can just come up. There's that's that's the process. If you go through, you know, if you prepare your body for nine months up to conception, and then you spend the next nine months on the proper nutrition, the proper supplements. You're, you know, getting rid of all the stressful situations and you're preparing your body for birth, mm-hmm. then it comes natural and it comes easy. But we have a system where they've used propaganda to tell the women, oh, you need to, you know, consume all these poisons. And, the, the, and my thing is that the birth is not about you, it's about the baby. So it doesn't, like, you may want to eat ice cream and sugar and cakes and donuts, but the birth's not about you. You need to do what's right for it. The and why is sugar, I mean, well, actually, before we go to that, I mean, I know the answer to these things, of course, but, you know, I, I want to talk about stress for a moment, right, and cortisol levels, 
So if we're rushing someone to a hospital and we've got all these bright lights that are filled with electromagnetic frequencies that are chaotic frequencies, right? They're not, uh, they're not friendly frequencies. Um, how, I mean, I just think about the baby coming into the world under stress and producing a ton of cortisol right from the get-go. Yeah. So the baby is under stress and the baby does not feel comfortable. And what they're blindsiding the baby with is they're taking away the baby's perception of the world immediately through their five senses. And they've also destroyed the mother connecting with the baby through the five senses. And a lot of the times they're telling the father that the father's not even allowed in the room. So what I would, I'm going to jump in right now to what I call the optimal hour. And yeah. that's what you should do as soon as your baby is born. So we can come back to fertility and the conception process. But let's yeah. just jump into it to give you an idea of how hijacked the system really is. Go for it. Thank you. As soon as the baby is born, that first hour, which I call the optimal hour, that's the tone for the next 18 years of that baby's life. So if you just spend one quality hour with that baby, you will have significantly less stress and more enjoyable time with your baby throughout the next 18 years. And that's a very bold statement. And that's simply by doing things like not clamping the cord. So the umbilical cord after the baby's born, still has 33% of the blood remaining in it that's still supposed to move into the baby. That's where they're getting their oxygen. But the hospital's immediately going to clamp that cord. So they use, if you want to think of it as a clothespin, as soon as the baby comes out, they're going to put a clothespin clamp to stop that fluid from cutting, and they're going to cut that cord immediately. Okay, you know, you know I can't shut up anymore. I'm sorry. So... The flow of oxygen, brain health, yeah. autism. I mean, that's immediately what I'm thinking. Autism, ADD, ADHD, uh, any brain health condition, depression, yeah. anxiety. Well, there's nutrients in there. There's cells in there. The oxygen is in there. You know, the blood volume, all the minerals, the brain function, all of that is still in the core after the baby is born. You have stem cells coming in there. Uh, that cord actually is what activates, you know, the blood to rush, which thus inflates the lungs, which encourages the baby to take their first uh, breath. And what we have is a world that completely clamps that blood, stopping all of those functions. Do you know why they clamp that blood? Well, I thought I did, but go ahead. You see my face. I'm just, you know, I've already told everybody who, you know, I was inviting so many people to the show. And I said, you know, I'm usually the disruptor. I said, but like meet Tom. Go for it. Uh, They're clamping that blood um, because it's worth money. So a umbilical cord can be sold for at least $40,000. So they can clamp that cord with that blood in there cut that umbilical cord immediately, then they can sell that umbilical cord. And they're selling it to people for the stem cells. If you're like, oh, get a stem cell replacement therapy, a lot of times that stem cell is coming from an umbilical cord because they clamped it. 
they didn't allow that to go to the baby. They're now selling it for countless amounts of money. They make cosmetics out of it. They make supplements out of it. They're just straight up using it in products. PepsiCo at one point owned a company that purchased baby umbilical cords. So that's one of the main reasons that they're um, stopping that blood from going in. The other reason is because they do not want your baby to be healthy. They want your baby to be dependent, a lifetime dependency on the American modern medical system and throughout the country. So if they can prevent the needed nutrients going into the baby at birth, then they're creating a lifetime customer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a lot of what the medical, Western medical community does is um, with the intent of creating lifetime customers, right? Um, they, I mean, we'll get to the food supply in a bit, but uh, they feed you stuff that causes disease and then, you know, and then sells you the solution, right? Yeah. And And so... Um, when you wake up to that, right, I mean, when you wake up to that, when you start looking at the revenue stream, um, you know, just don't vomit now. I'm, I'm holding back. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> so go ahead. So go ahead. So they're creating a lifetime customer to keep, you, keep them dependent, right? Um, and they're doing that by cutting off, you know, the antibodies, immunity, the hormones, the enzymes, stem cells, all that blood, all that oxygen that's coming through that cord. So let me tell you what is the optimal way to do that. Okay. There's many different ways, but the best way to do it is that you're not going to cut to that cord or you're going to leave the cord intact until at least the placenta has been naturally delivered. But there's such a thing as a lotus birth also that some people will promote, and these are kind of both of the extremes. And the lotus birth, the cord is attached until it naturally separates from the baby. And that can be at three to 10 days. For a lot of people, that may be too much because a lot of women don't, you know, they do what's normal. They don't want, you know, grandma, you know, grandma and grandpa come over and see the cord and, you know, the placenta still attached. But you want to at least let that cord lay limp and it be clear and white and no longer pulsing. So anywhere one, two hours, six hours, um, to when you naturally can see that all that fluid has moved out of the umbilical cord, then you can remove the umbilical cord. And a lot of the times, you know, that's a fatherly duty. So if anything that I promote, I want the father completely involved in the whole situation. Um, so you can cut that. And then it's really good that you, you know, you don't allow the hospital wherever you're giving birth to uh, maintain your umbilical cord or your placenta, because they're both, you know, streams of revenue for the birthing center, the hospital. So you want to retain that. And then one of the best things that you can do with it is you can, you know, plant it in your yard and then plant a tree above it. And then you will have, as this tree grows, you know, it will be part of your family and it's a place that you can come back and celebrate the birth and, and celebrate life and celebrate that uh, moment and honor the baby as they go through life. You know, um, I remember as a eight-year-old, 
my horse giving birth, Karanifa, um, and I do remember the umbilical cord being like there for a while. This is yeah. a nineteen seventy one, maybe. Yeah, so nineteen seventy one. So the question is, why are we doing one thing for our animals? Are they doing this with animals now? Because I mean, again, that was you know forty plus years ago. The fifty plus so years the, ago. <laughs> the veterinarian. The farm industry, the animal industry, um, has seen. I would I would trust a vet and a farmer who has animals that are giving birth far more than I would trust an OBGYN with giving birth, because farmers have seen the value in the moment of giving birth with the health of their um, livestock or animals and. There's not a single baby formula that is for sale in like a grocery store, you know, Walmart, Supercenter, anywhere where, where a normal person is going to go buy baby formula that has about over 40, um, you know, vitamins, minerals, or nutrients in it. And there's not a single baby animal formula that is under 40 nutrients that goes out, you know, in general sale, not if somebody specifically buying it. Because the, the farmers and the livestock and the, in that industry and the vet industry have seen the benefits of that moment of birth. So they're doing everything correct on the family farms, but when their own kid gets delivered, they rely on the hospital and the hospital is creating the customer. Because it's a program belief system. The program right. belief system. You know, um, well, you, you see the look on my face, right? <laughs> I just challenged uh, trying to process just the sale of the umbilical cord alone and all the nutrients that were uh, all the nutrients that were basically robbing the child of upon entering this world. Um, so, one last thing on this topic, please. <laughs> You know you're going to have to run this show because I have lost sitting here in shock. Go ahead. Okay, so the birth of the placenta, mm-hmm. so this is the third stage of labor, is the placenta, which is an organ uh, that has grown in your body you know, over these last nine months. You want to make sure that you're not forcing out the placenta after birth with drugs or any kind of intervention. So when you have a standard technological medical birth in the hospital, they're going to inject pitocin, which is a synthetic uh, chemical that mocks, you know, mocks natural hormones. They're going to inject that into your leg often so that you get contractions and convulsions that are going to try to pop out that uh, placenta because they want you out of that bed as fast as possible because they need to turn over that bed because they have another customer, not patient, they have another customer coming in. So often if you have 100%, you know, natural birth, vaginal birth with no intervention, while you're not paying attention, they'll come in and still inject pitocin into your leg 
to get that placenta out. So if you're making a birth plan and you're going to a hospital, that's one thing that you need to have on there that you don't want that pitocin injecting your life for the placenta to come out. And there's videos and there's a lot of evidence that uh, nurses are basically ripping the placenta out of the body. So um, because they're trying to speed things up because they're told that they need a uh, turnover. So they're ripping an attached organ out of the birthing mother's body. And that's leading to all kinds of complications that then they make money, the medical system makes money on uh, later. So that's one thing. And then the second thing, well, the, the, the natural oxytocin, so the stimulus of the baby, you know, on the mother, chest to chest, all that stuff, will relieve that placenta. But once that placenta is relieved, the other thing that I think is important that's very controversial is uh, I just want the viewers to know that personally, if you do not want to consume your placenta. So it's very trendy right now, but it's trendy because they're paying money to make you think that that's a good thing and it's not. So why? Would, what are they telling people the why it's good to consume the placenta? Because of the vitamin and nutrients? It's it's uh, yeah. If you look under it in a microscope, it has vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. What they don't show you as all the you know, toxic materials in there. But it's the same as why would you? I mean, you could have your tonsils removed, but you're not going to consume them to. Well, it's uh, cannibalism. It's cannibalism. Um, it's an organ. It has a place, and the place is not for you to eat it. If you're doing my program, which I have a, a course. If you're doing my program and you're taking the supplements that I recommend, you're eating the foods that I recommend, you're doing the whole program, you're hydrated during your birth, at no point during your birth are you going to be deficient of any vitamins, minerals, nutrients, hormones, oxygen, anything that you would have to consume an organ that belongs to your baby, that was attached to your baby. Um, and when they do consume that, they you know take this bloody organ, they have to salt it, they have to treat it, do all these things, they dry it, and they encapsulate it. You don't know where those capsules are coming from. You don't know what powders they're using, what the process is. And there's standard midwives that are still promoting the encapsulation and the ingesting of the uh, placenta. And I would just recommend to all the viewers, you know, a lot of viewers can say, I'm too old to have a baby, but everybody knows somebody that's going to be pregnant in the next night. Well, and here's the thing. We haven't gotten to this yet. So we're talking about so far, you know, when you're giving birth, uh, the, the, the process, what's happening to the baby, um, how uh, that process impacts the baby for the next 18 years. You know, you talked about the head covering. Could you, can you expand upon that just for a moment? Because I want people to start connecting the dots um, about how they're feeling today, right? So, so, yeah, let's uh, definitely jump into that. So when the baby, okay, so let me paint you a picture. You're, uh, you know, you're naturally delivering the baby. You have a, a doula, you have a midwife, you may be at home, you may be at a birth center, maybe a water birth, whatever it is, the father should be the first person is what they say in the industry to catch the baby. So the father should be the one, the first one to have his hands on the baby. He should receive the baby. He should, you know, look into the baby's eyes, and then he should walk and then, you know, take two steps and then present the baby to the mother. 
and then the mother hugs, holds, cradles the baby. And in this process, everybody is, is what they call skin to skin. So the father's completely shirtless. The mother's as naked as you can be, right? As naked as you can be. <laughs> so where you're touching the naked baby, the baby's skin needs to be touching the father's skin and now the mother's skin. And then the first thing that we want to do in this optimal hour is we want to connect all the five senses of the baby to the mom and dad. And then we want to connect all the five senses of the mom and dad to the baby. And the hospitals have been in hijack and they've been taught to disconnect those senses. So we say the hat on the head. The first thing in the natural birth process is that the mom's going to smell the pheromones that the baby's producing. And those pheromones are going to come off the top of the head. The top of the head should be right there under the mother's nose. So she's going to smell those pheromones. And that's the signal, a signature odor of the baby that signals to the mom that the baby has survived birth. And now the mom has produced special hormones and activates the love neurobiology that creates a lifelong love bond between the mother and the baby. If you take a hat that's been washed in the hospital or you know at the place of manufacturing, if you take this hat that's been washed in all kinds of chemicals, it's uh, you know it's probably been had a dryer sheet on it, it has some scent on it. Uh, it has fungicide, probably has herbicide, it probably has pesticide to protect from shipping across the seas. Now you're putting that on the baby's head and the mom's just smelling chemicals and that pheromone is being blocked and you're simply cutting down one of the five senses and that's the sense of smell from the baby and the mom uh, speaking to each other using chemical signals. Okay, so we want to talk about connecting all the five senses. Um, and we just talked about the first one, which is the sense of smell. We're going to go to a quick commercial, um, just because I need to breathe. <laughs> I need to breathe. Um, you know, I'm so grateful to have you here and to share with everyone um, this information. Um, you know, I'm always a student, so let me go to commercial real quick here. Um, and uh, we'll be right back. So if you're listening, please invite your friends. If you're listening on Podbean, invite your friends. Blog Talk, invite your friends. Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Invite your friends because they need to hear this. Now, um, again, this is not only for you if you're planning to give birth, but we're going to talk about what the impact is to the baby, right, and how that may be impacting you today. And so there are ways that we can support you. All right? So, um, and here we go to our first commercial. <sighs> Hi, I'm Jody Susan, Susan Essentials. I started Susan Essentials in 2015 because of a personal health journey. I was over-medicated and put on 19 different medications. And yet, I reversed all my chronic diseases using plant and energy-based healing. It was amazing. At Tucson Essentials, we support both consumers and businesses, and we do that with helping your employee or yourself with a food and medicine mindset. 
how Sushan Essentials supports businesses and consumers is we teach people about a food is medicine mindset. So we support people on how to support their own immune system, how to support their brain health, how to support their emotional well-being. And we do that all with plant and an energy-based healing. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda B. Tuesday, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesday, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Lazeet and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursday, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Friday, Health and Well-Being with Diata. Saturday, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Diata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. So we are back with Tom Whitmire, uh, certified doula and uh, brilliant extraordinaire. <laughs> We're going to talk about the five senses um, uh, that we need to activate. Um, oh, and I, I, I uh, went into the Facebook group and let everybody know we are live now, so please join us. Um, we have a Facebook group, I think, with about a thousand people in that one just alone. So. Um, Talk to so the first one that they're trying to interfere with is their sense of smell. Um, that is a way for the mom and the baby to bond. Please go on. And just I'll, I'll wrap that up by saying anybody at home may say, well, that may, you know, I'm, I'm under the impression they put that hat on the baby because the baby's head is cold. The baby can regulate its own temperature. Um, the baby's head is not cold. It doesn't need a hat to maintain its temperature. The temperature is going to be maintained by the mom's 93. Yeah. Uh, you know, cheek on the head, the love coming, the, the, the hugging, the holding. The microcirculation. Yes, the expressing of, uh, you know, what is going on. So there's there's no you know there's no rebuttal to say well that's for temperature regulation and warmth it's simply not true. Um, Why we're talking about those senses? Uh, we talked about the skin to skin just briefly, but that also establishes lifelong love bond, and then that's going to help with breast uh, milk production as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the temperature regulation, but it also stimulates like endorphins. You know, which are the joy chemicals, the oxytocin, which is the love, and the prolactin, which is the uh, signal for lactation. So what we're doing by holding the baby there is that we're signaling with those senses as well that, you know, within this hour time, you're going to want to, you know, search for the breath and to start the feed. But the thing that we did touch on is swaddling. So we want skin to skin. We don't want the baby automatically wrapped up in a blanket. And so many people are, can envision 
that white blanket with the, you know, the big blue stripes and the little skinny pink stripes on it mm -hmm. that come to be, you know, using standard and, you know, almost all hospitals. We don't want the baby wrapped up in that blanket immediately, which is what the hospital is going to try to do. Um, that's breaking the love bond, it's breaking you know, the growth and development, it's creating stress and abandonment. So the baby's been in the womb, it's been able to you know, move around and adjust. It's actually adjusted itself to come out properly through the birth canal. Now the hospitals are wrapping that baby so tight in that blanket it can't move, and it, it, you know, it's sensing stress when that baby needs that skin to skin. Okay, and so for those people, so I finally decided to ground myself. I used some frankincense essential oil and brought in that essence of trees to ground. So if you're getting triggered, you know, just ground and really receive this information because it's so important. You know, and what I think it's important to note is that uh, because I feel like there's people on here, um, and if they're not watching now, they will be later, um, who are going to be giving birth shortly. And so if that's you, right, and you're planning on going to a hospital, I would, I'm going to ask you to pivot for a moment, you know, because I'm, I'm hearing. Um, what do they need to do? Um, cause I, I did meet somebody here in Georgia who's going to be giving birth, and I think that they're on now. So what can they do to pivot and get themselves someone in Georgia, unless you fly out to Georgia or, you know. <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll say this. What do they need to do? Self-commercial break. Is, uh, they can go to sproutstanding.com mm -hmm. first, and I actually have a course on there where what I'm briefly talking about today is all presented in a course book. There's, um, yeah, this is uh, my homepage. Then you click on birth, and this is a birth course. Um, so it's presented in colored photos. There's probably 700 different pages. All of it's very vivid. It takes you through, walks you through all these steps, how to create your birth plan, what you need to do for the supplements and nutrition, uh, you know, how to create, you know, bring the father into it. So all that's at sproutstanding.com slash birth, and then that's a complete course. Um, I'm a certified doula, so after my name is CD, Tom McMyer CD, that's the certified doula, but I'm more of a prenatal doula, so I will sit with you, I will take you through your nutrition, your food, your, you know, your meals, what to do, what not to do, how to detox, what to eat, what not to eat, supplements, which are good, which are bad, the whole process, everything we've talked about from the five senses to the birth plan, the optimal child. Uh, what I'm not going to do is I will not be in the birth room with you, you know, rubbing your back, massaging your shoulders. Uh, I will work with you to find a doula that will do that. And the definition of a doula mm -hmm. is simply just a birth coach. I think it would be a lot more popular if the word doula was changed and we just found a better word that just simply meant a birth coach. So the light just went out in my... Uh, Oh, let's get that sock out. Yeah. I just threw a sock at the sensor to turn the light back on. That's hilarious. A birth coach is, is uh, taught how to, you know, how to teach you about birth. So you don't have to just read the first book that you were giving, you know, at, at a party. 
and then the, we will help you find a midwife and a midwife is the people in the world that are training to deliver a baby and then that midwife and your doula and then myself will become a team of three and then we will then you can you know, do a home birth you can do it at a birth center or you can do it at a hospital and then we will be your you know your source to the other people that are going to be involved and have, help you advocate for the birth that you want and make those decisions. Do you want, you know, natural vaginal birth with no interventions and not medical? Um, so that's what I do. So you would reach out to me and then I would then help you find a doula in your area that matches your needs. And then the, we would then find you a midwife and then we could find you a birth center. Um, and then we will take it all the way through that process to helping you find a pediatrician that kind of, you know, uh, looks out for the best interest of your child, not who's looking out for their best interest in their bottom line and their streams of income because they get commissions. So, uh, thank you. So, if you are listening to this, um, and good morning, Chris. Thank you for being here. Um, please share this knowledge. Share the show now. Uh, if you are giving birth or have someone who uh, is going to be giving birth, reach out to Tom, right? Go to sproutstanding.com um, forward slash birth. Um, and all of his uh, contact information is here, right? You can also dial him, 305-771-1414. You know, this podcast is really not about promotion. And I'm telling you, if you're pregnant, call him, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because this is about making sure that your child comes into the world in the most serene, safe, psychologically safe, and physically safe uh, place as possible. And if you're using the current medical system, um, that's not going to happen. It's not possible. It's not structured that way. And... Um, you know, you, you can buy his course, you can call him. Do you do a free consult, like a 10 minute? Yeah, I have a, on the bottom of the page, there's a calendar that you can click on there and schedule a 15 minute, uh, you know, up to 15 minute introduction consultation to see if we you know, fit together. There you go. So let me see here. Yeah, call, email, book now, 15 minute discovery call. So that's um, wonderful. And I will just say also, because um, I'm going to pipe in with what I think is the most important thing in addition to what you're doing, and that is um, having a, um, a clean water supply, right? So no surprise, I have a baby up there. <laughs> and that was before you and I chatted because it's frightening for me that people are unaware that there are so many toxins in your water and nobody, not nobody, most people are not connecting the dots 
to the chemicals in their water supply and the pain that they have, the anxiety, the stress, the emotional outbursts, you know, all of those things because they all impact your brain health. And in your skin, right, your largest organ. And so if you're bathing your baby in toxic water, that's not a good start. And I, I know so many people, like when they first have babies, they don't understand all these uh, diaper rashes and, you know, all these rashes that, that the babies have having. But no one's, we have a trust for the system that they're providing to us what is for our highest good. And it's not even close, right? And so what I offer um, takes out uh, 200 plus harsh chemicals and contaminants, including the VOCs, heavy metals, lead, pesticides, chlorine, you know, chlorine, fluoride, which is a neurotoxin, and of course the pharmaceuticals and herbicides. And then I explain hear, you know, uh, what's going on, um, you know, how, when you take toxins out, uh, you guys, here's the biggest, like, scam in the world. Um, everyone's, like, buying alkaline water and buying these expensive uh, machines, like $2,500 on up to create alkaline water. Well, uh, spoiler alert, all you have to do is take the toxins out and it becomes alkaline, <laughs> Okay. And you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to do it. Really don't. You can do, I mean, both your shower and the tap for 300 bucks. So, I mean, you can get a whole house. Don't get me wrong. That's not, but that's not the purpose here. The purpose is for you to understand. And then, you know, when people purchase from me, the gift back is, is I run a frequency for you that removes all that toxicity. And it's just for free, right? Like I'm just giving you, if you're willing to invest in yourself, so am I. I'm going to invest in you too. So, um, and, you know, uh, getting rid of these toxins um, and having a healthy baby and having a healthy life is, is uh, will bring serenity on a multitude of levels. Um, I mean, you're not running to the doctor all the time, Right. You're not wondering, you know, you're not, uh, you're sleeping well. Of course, if you're spiritually awakened, you're not sleeping well at all. But, you know, that's another, that's another show. So let's go back to the senses. We discussed the smell. You want to go with another sense? I want to stay on your water topic for just one more moment. Please. Um, because it is one of the most important things. And I think too many people, so, I mean, I have an audience, you have an audience, but we have a cross audience, mm -hmm. so let's speak to them. Too many people believe that their tap water is clean. They always, I hear people say, oh, no, that's the city next door that has that problem. We have our own water plant. Our system is clean. And it's simply not, I mean, and I don't think most people know that they can go to the environmental working groups. So that's what I'm just pulling up now. <laughs> it's already up. I'm showing. I'm going to show you in a second. Here. Yeah, the tap water database. You can put in your zip code there on that website, and it will show you all of the chemicals that uh, and and heavy metals and pollutants that were in your last water test. And for my, I put my parents in there, and they live next door to Flint, and they have. They had like seven more, you know, deadly toxins in their waters than even Flint did. 
but Flint's on the news. Um, so right, and I can't seem to get them. They did something different with their website. org slash tap water. Yes, okay, so that's what I have to do. Because they made a change to their website, and yes. uh, it's and their... That's where you're going to... There you go. That's where you're going to, you know, want to contact Jody and start buying her water treatment and water filters after you see what's actually in your water. Because what has happened is the government hasn't improved their water quality in years. You know, all they do is they just take their standards and they say, we now allow this much plutonium, this much uranium, this much aluminum, this much of all these chemicals. They just increase the number of chemicals that they allow in the water before you're alerted that there's a problem. They've never done anything to remove the chemicals. Right, and so I, I, I want to do a yes and, sorry, because like, I love that you and I just said, boom, 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 right? So here's the thing, there's 10, this is in Cobb County where I live, and there's 10 total contaminants in the water supply that exceed the EWG health guidelines. So, and when they say it the, on your statement, your, your invoice, your monthly uh, water bill, oh, how they have met the um whatever the compliance is for that county or that you know that city know that the regulations most of those cities the regulations have not been modified or updated in two decades okay like let that sink in and so then let me just take you here and i just wrote an article for this on the florida women's magazine and topeka health and wellness um, so if you uh, want to check out next month, it'll publish, it'll publish on October 1st, um, but I write for those two magazines. Um, and, you know, you, all these are um, impacting your health and your baby's health, and they all cause cancer, you know. And so, um, and then, of course, these are the ones, there is no legal limit for this one, which I can't pronounce, maybe you can, it's trichloroacetic acid. Um, it, it, it literally makes me speechless. Um, and then there's, you know, these are the 10 that exceed, but then there's 18 total contaminants. And when you start looking at that, it's got things, you know, of course, they've got fluoride and things like that in there. And um, fluoride is a neurotoxin, right? So, um, which means it's impacting your, your nervous system, okay, stress, anxiety, uh, panic attacks. And then how is that impacting your baby's development? And then the other thing, it's also calcifying your pineal gland. And so then how are you connecting to the divine? Answer, you're not. You're not. All right, so this is a great transition into breastfeeding. So Thank you. Water, which is what's you know, running the human machine. Then we need to talk about breastfeeding and breast milk and how important that is for the baby. So I'm going to let the other senses go by. We can talk about those later. People can you know, learn about that, of course. And let's go ahead and jump into our breastfeeding. So when the baby's born, it goes through all those five senses. That's what triggers the baby to look for the mom's nipple. 
and then what we call in the industry as to latch, and then that first breast milk is called colostrum, and that is the perfect food for a baby ASAP. So that is a what's it called again? Colostrum. What's it called? Colostrum. Colostrum. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I also will just say why the word colostrum is here that you don't want to take supplemental colostrum because that's just stolen from another baby. That that colostrum was intended for a baby. And wow. Colostrum, the colostrum is specifically made for that baby and that baby's needs. And that colostrum is going to feed the baby and feed the microbiome. So there's about 800 you know, plus beneficial bacteria, um, which we call probiotics or you know, the microbiome that are going to come from that initial colostrum into the baby. So also coming in there. Hold on, hold on. I want to pipe in. So I want to tie tie this back to like my love language here, which is your brain. Okay. So um, if you're getting, there's two things. One, they need to get that, right? Because your gut health is just uh, directly connected to your brain health, okay? Brain-gut connection. Number two, if you're getting um, something that's made for another soul, another human, another physical body, um, that means it's like, well, let's go back to the one that's supposed to be yours, right? (laughs) So it's like your designer nutritional supplement that you would pay big bucks for, but you can have it naturally, right? And so um, it's critical for the formation of those neurotransmitters for your baby's gut to get what it needs to support the microbiome and go. Colostrum is coming from the original breast milk is what you just said. It establishes the microbiome. Mm-hmm. It also establishes the immune system. And it also is your initial. So the, the colostrum tells, you know, simulate the start of your immune system and your antibodies. And your, the mother's nipple at that time of birth when they're in that optimal hour actually produces a pheromone that attracts the baby to breast call crawl. Yeah, 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 to the nipple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the babies, we're using all those five senses, but there's invisible smells that are going between the nipple and the baby's nose. That's why we need the baby's nose to not be blocked. So that it latches, the baby will latch in that optimal hour, one to two hours. And you lay there with, you're in the home or birth center of the hospital, nobody's allowed in mother, the father, and that baby. And then this, uh, the breast milk is what, you know, creates the growth, the cell growth, the nutrient, absorption, all anti-inflammatory, everything that they're trying to intervene your baby, you don't need them to intervene because it comes in the breast milk. They're not deficient of any vitamins in the breast milk. They're not deficient of minerals, any of that stuff. Uh, the you know, stem cells are being uh, exchanged as well. Okay, I I need to go on my rant about the deficient. So, you were born perfect, just saying. And um, sorry, I'm emotional. So, you're born perfect, people. 
and God made you in his image. And he didn't say, like, go make a baby so I can fix it when it's born. Like, that's not the message that God's giving you. And I know you're going to go there, but we don't need to boost the immune system with any carrot juice, okay? And we don't need to change the body in any way. And we'll get there, too, when we talk about circumcision, okay? We don't need to change the human body. Why are we doing this? Think about this. We're getting there. And it, 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 um, I get very emotional when I think about what we're doing to our children. And if you're a Christ follower, and even if you're not, is that what God intended for you to fix whatever it is that you made? Maybe you're just perfect, and maybe it's a self-limiting belief system that you're not perfect. I'll let you go. Go ahead. Thank you. So I completely agree with you right there and what the intention of the human body for the human being to have optimal health throughout their entire life is that they're to feed on nothing but breast milk for a minimum of one year, but you can go up to two years. My sister did two years. In general, it's until your teeth fully come in. So it's the teeth development that then transfers the enzymes from breaking down milk to being able to break down, you know, smooth, soft foods like uh, fruits. So those digestive enzymes will come in with the, the teeth, and then once the teeth come in, then it's a little bit more difficult for the mom, you know, to, to breastfeed with the nipple. But uh, the other main thing about breast milk is that it's around 94% sugar water. So the breast milk is almost all carbohydrates. It's 94%, you know, uh, carbohydrate water. It's no more than two to four percent protein, which on average it's about 1.5% protein, and it's about two to four percent lipids or fat and uh, nucleotide. But it's going to range, you know, two to four percent lipids. So it's 90, you know, 94, 96% uh, carbohydrate sugar water that is developing your baby. And that's where you're going to get all of that, you know, all the food, all the hydration, everything that builds a human being for two years. So it's important for the mom to be eating foods that are optimal, clean carbohydrates themselves. And some of those top foods are all fruits. And then you're looking at sweet potatoes, um, all potatoes, winter squashes, um, honey, maple syrup. Yeah, and honey, I just want to bring some two things. Honey is your immu- immunity. Uh, sweet potatoes, high minerals. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> just, you know, kind of connect the dots for people, Dolly. The mom consumes these items and then feeds them back to the baby. The baby's not growing on cupcakes and chocolate cake and ice creams and, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs and all this stuff. Oh, I just had a baby. I can eat whatever I want. The baby needs optimal nutrition for it to grow and it to defend itself and it to be optimal so that it doesn't cry in public. It doesn't keep you awake all night. 
like what we're doing and why we're doing optimal birth is so that you can sleep solidly through the night because the baby sleeps solidly through the night. So if we go on the step of all the stuff that I'm talking about, we're releasing the stress that you're going to have to have as a parent and that the baby's going to have to suffer. And that those things are that optimal hour and then breastfeeding. And the breastfeeding as well is going to help mom with weight loss after, um, you know, after she gives birth. It's going to keep her out of going through depression. It's going to keep the, uh, help the uterus to heal. It's going to regulate her hormones for the next you know, few months. But one of the coolest things that, uh, that is exciting and unknown and I'm talking about, about uh, breastfeeding is what's uh, become the known as spit back. So spit back. When the baby is breastfeeding, uh, it's sending a signal through the nipple there to the mom. The mom's body senses that, and then the mom's body creates a specific formula for the baby based on those daily needs, and then it immediately produces that and sends it to the baby, and the baby gets that through the breast milk. So it can bring in, you know, killer white cells to fight sickness if there's a specific sickness, if there's a specific um, mineral deficiency, if there's a specific whatever it may be, the baby receives that through their mother. So the mother becomes their immune system or this breast milk producing factory that produces specialized breast milk that has that, you know, perfect amino acid profile, vitamins, minerals. Nuclear gases, all of that. So, science-based nutrition. <laughs> I mean, that's what spit back is science-based nutrition, which was the first nutrition course I took. You know, can we need to go to commercial? But I wanna, when we come back, I wanna address Chris's question. Um, Chris is a new grandma, and so uh, you know, I sense that there's, uh, you know. A good reason for this question. So let's go to a quick commercial, and um, and then we'll come and answer Chris's question. All right. So all right, aloha. Aloha. Um, we'll just do that. The Female Solution Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speak. Tuesdays, Self-Sell Care with Jody Toussaint. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Wellbeing with Beata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. With a simple blood test and food plan, Susan Essentials will help your business, your family, and you eliminate toxins and create a step-by-step plan to nourish your mind, body, and spirit. Click here to learn more. 
Jody Toussaint of Toussaint Essentials is certified by the number one functional medicine doctor on plant-based healing essential oils, which are revolutionizing the way we manage our well-being. Schedule today to take control of your health. All right, so we are back. Um, yeah, so let's um, let Tom. Which one do you want to do first? You want to answer Chris's question? Do you want to? Uh, talk about why we should not use formula first. What's what's best for you? Let's let's just stay with formula real quick because we need mm-hmm. to tie in the toxicity of the water. Um, yes. If you're if you've been convinced, it's usually you're being convinced by your doctor because your doctor, your pediatrician, wants that baby off of breast milk as soon as possible because they need. The doctor wants to become your baby's immune system. They don't want the breast milk to be your baby's immune system. So I've heard doctors that are telling women that they need to stop breastfeeding at six months. The women are completely capable of the breast milk, uh, of breastfeeding. It's part of their lifestyle. They're on a great path. They're, they're trying to go as long as possible. And the doctor will use such things as saying, we need to stop you on the breast milk because we need to get the father involved in the feeding. So we want you to start pumping so the father can start bottling. And it is just... So wait, so talk to me about pumping. Are they not supposed to pump? I mean, um, I don't know. No, we want them to breastfeed from the breast so they get that spit back, so they get the, the, the immunity at that moment. Got so it. Let's go, from, let's go from formula, then we'll go to pumping. Hold on. So what if you're, because this is a real thing, what if you're a working woman and you're going back to work? Okay, we'll go from pumping then to formula. Okay, thank you. Okay. (laughs) We'll do pumping. So if, yeah, the problem is, is that the United States of America has the second worst maternity leave in the world. Number one is Papua New Guinea. Tell me where Papua New Guinea is, even is on a map. And the United States is number two for the benefits that the women get, the amount of time that they get. They want those women back at work as soon as possible so that they have to pay into the taxes and that the government can break that love bond that the woman would create by staying home and breastfeeding and, and caring for her child. They want the woman out of the house they want somebody else to take that responsibility, usually the pediatrician, and they want that tax benefit. So I would say try to stay home as long as possible. If you have to pump, the number one thing that you need to know about pumping is that when you pump in the, let's say you pump in the morning before you're going to work, you need to label that breast milk as morning breast milk, and the baby needs to consume that breast milk in the morning. If you were to pump at night before you go to bed, you need to label that breast milk night breast milk, and the baby needs to consume that at night because the specific hormones and such for energy are being breastfed into that baby in the morning so that baby is awake and alert so that it has the energy it needs to feed, grow, development, develop, go through all of its processes while with the parent. And then the same thing at night, when the baby drinks the pumped breast milk from night, nighttime, it's going to signal the baby, okay, it's time to go to sleep. 
there's all the vitamins, mineral nutrients. Because this makes complete sense. I mean, the hormones are signals. So we have to give the signal at the right time. Complete sense. Yeah. Women are feeding their babies pumped milk from the morning and then putting them to bed and wonder why they cry and why they're awake the whole day. Or vice versa, oh, my baby won't feed it, won't do all this. But it's got the hormones that are making them sleepy. Okay, I'm going to pause us. People, if you're listening to this show now, I need you to share the show. Okay, share the show with people now because people, you know, um, everybody's got somebody who's having a baby or had one. Share the show so people can get this information. Go ahead, Tom. (laughs) I mean, people need to hear this. And the other thing about, uh, you know, pumping is that uh, at no time, do we need to be microwaving breast milk? Oh, God. You know, the, yeah. the heating, the extreme heating and even the extreme cooling of the breast milk is going to lower its um, potency. Well, so I mean, you zap the minerals out every time of anything that you put in the microwave. Keep in mind, the microwave is radiation, right? So now you're radiating your child. Yeah, and the okay. pediatricians are... are uh, Promoting plastic bottles, you know, the, they got plastic lids or plastic nipples, and the moms are putting the plastic in the microwave, microwaving the breast milk, leaching the plastic into the breast milk, and then feeding the baby, and then say, I don't know why the baby has this, this, and this, and then they take it to the very same pediatrician that promoted, you know, that uh, chain of events to ask them, what do I do? And then the pediatrician usually just says, oh, we'll give the baby Tylenol. And no wonder why they have gut health issues, because those microplastics are getting into their intestinal tract, that poor little baby, right? And it's uh, creating havoc with their gut. And then, of course, their brain and they're irritable and anxious and sad and crying. I mean, let's create some happy babies here. Yeah. So this breastfeeding is creating, you know, this lifelong um, love bond. And then formula, if you're to give your baby formula, that just creates a lifelong suffering and sickness because the formula has, it doesn't have vitamins in it, it has synthetic vitamins. Synthetic vitamins are chemicals that are created in labs, used that petroleum or coal tar, that the government has said you can call folate folic acid. Folic acid it's not folate to the body. Folate the body can use. Folic acid is a toxic chemical that the body cannot use. But most pediatricians um, are telling the women, you know, to focus on on folic acid. You need to get that. You don't need it. You need folate. Most formulas are created with the base ingredient is either soy, whey, um, some sort of condensed milk, or high fructose corn syrup. So when I'm saying the, the you know the breast milk is 94% sugar water, you don't need soy or whey to be in your body. Those are um, you know toxic cow-based whey is a uh, you know, dairy product is toxic to the baby. So the reason the baby has the phlegm and then you know within a few months it's going to have these mystery symptoms is from the formula. So you have the synthetic vitamins or or the air problems, right? So people are putting air tubes in their baby. Um, their ears because they get all these ear problems from all that um, yeah, hair. Yeah. 
you know. And if you've got that and you've made that, you've had that lesson, you know, go see a chiropractor, okay? They'll adjust the baby and get things uh, flowing well. Let's address Chris's question. She says, what about moms, moms whose milk isn't enough or dried up? In this instance, what would you recommend to induce breast milk production? And I want to just answer something that I'm hearing from Spirit for this person that um, this uh, this mother is not drinking enough uh, toxic free water. I'm hearing that yep. right now. So go ahead though. Go ahead and why why else would it be dried up? Um, because of because it needs carbohydrates. So what the first thing I would do is I would consume those foods. I would go back to specifically first thing in the morning, um, just doing fruit alone. And then what you don't want is you don't want fat coming in at the same time as fruit because you're creating what I call a daily diabetes. So the body's having trouble exchanging the fruit and converting it into the breast milk because there's so much fat in the bloodstream. So uh, that would be if you take fruit and you put, you know, I don't know, cream cheese on it, or you even put nuts and seeds in it, whatever it may be. You just want specific, you know, fruits without any fat. And then potatoes and sweet potatoes, you can steam those, but you don't want to add oil on them. So you're not putting olive oil on them, you're not putting, you know, the cream cheese, you're not eating them with bacon bits, just specifically, you know, steamed potatoes, sweet potatoes, winter squash, like a uh, butternut squash. So specifically, I would eat um, you know, red potato, Yukon gold potato, sweet potato, and butternut squash, just that. Like if you wanted to use like a tomato-based sauce or something with spices, um, that's what you're going to do. And then I would do honey, maple syrup, coconut water as well. Um, if the, what if about the, if they want like some sort of a butter on their potato, can they use a ghee? Can they? No, I would use, that's a fat. So you don't want any fat while you're consuming that carbohydrate because the the fat that you do need for the baby is already exists in that potato in that banana. It's it's already in the perfect ratio: protein, uh, lipids, nucleic acids. Okay. Um, vitamins, minerals are already in those foods. Potato. So let's go with potato, sweet potato, banana. So banana would probably be the number one food. Um, as well that you would want to consume of the fruits that are readily available in the grocery store. Uh, the ones that aren't readily available, you would look at mango, um, papaya. But uh, the, the, What do you think you know, about watermelon for that? It's good, but it's a, it's, that's going to help you with the amount of liquid that you have. So it's good, but the, the Density of the banana is going to help you more. Oh, yeah, the density, the mineral density in the banana is phenomenal. Yeah. But what I, what I am also looking from a spiritual uh, uh, and psychological standpoint, um, and so I want to ask you relative to the child, though, is watermelon, one, of course, keeps you hydrated, it's full of minerals, but then the other thing is it keeps you grounded. Yeah, watermelon is my favorite, like melon. If I take melon and put it in a category and then I rank the melons, watermelons. Know, a 10 out of 10 followed by like a, a honey rock or a, you know, a cantaloupe that's ripe. They just have to be ripe. You know, ripe where they were picked. They don't have to be ripe to you. They just have to be picked ripe. You know, with a big steel spot, so if it's yellow on the bottom, um, then it sat in the field long enough to produce that yellow wheat um, 
yield spot, and that means that it's a white watermelon when you hit it. It's very solid. It's very dense. So thank you. I want to tell you something. Uh, I didn't know that. Okay. And but every time I went to go pick out a watermelon, you know, I, I channel my food when I buy it. I channel my food when I eat it. What am I supposed to eat? Because I'm just like anal retentive. So, uh, but every time I went to pick out a watermelon, they always had me pick out the ones that were yellow on the bottom. Yeah. It's hilarious. Thank you for validating that for me. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's field spot. So yellow or orange. Uh, a a field spot. Okay. Then it's white. Then, you know, it has no taste. Um, you want it to be dark, dark and dull, if you will. It means it's uh, ripe and it's shiny. It's not ripe. There's a webbing that will produce, the watermelon will produce, that looks like, you know, spider veins. Mm -hmm. um, the larger the webbing, the more ripe and sweet it is. Okay. And then kind of like a uniform size. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. determines, you know, the, uh, that it's good and that it's ripe. Thank you for that. So now Vietta Robinson, who is our host uh, for Friday and Sunday, she says, grand rising beautiful souls in aloha. Um, if baby doesn't get mother's milk at birth, how does that affect the child's health later in life? Great question. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'll loop into that by saying uh, there's troubled breastfeeding expert organizations. So I won't claim to have all the answers, but the IVCLC is a lactation consultant. You can consult them. Um, then there's like lactation support providers, and then there's postpartum doulas. Uh, so there's experts in, um, you know, lactation and breastfeeding that you can consult. I work with a specific lactation consultant. Um, if somebody's really having problems, then I would put you, you know, in touch with, with her. The, the breastfeeding is, is one of the most important aspects of birth. I mean, if you can, you can look at, you know, studies of people that are successful. You can look at successful athletes, you know, who, when you take a look at young people and you say, okay, this person developed, their body developed faster than everybody else. Therefore, they were bigger and stronger, you know, age 13, whatever I'm making up, when they created sports. Therefore, you know, they ended up to be the quarterback because they were the leader and then they went on to be the captain. And then you go back and you're like, well, what's the reason for that? And you research it backwards. Usually they were a fashionable birth and breastfed for the longest. And that's what gave them uh, an advantage when they were younger at athletics, at music, at academics. Um, they were stronger when everybody else was weaker at a younger age, and then that's where they had affinity and the advantage, and then everybody looked up to them that they became the leader. Usually it's because they were breastfed. And so that breastfeeding uh, plays into, you know, what your occupation becomes at later in life. It plays into, you know, your success or income levels. The whole thing can all be uh, cycled back to that optimal hour and the breastfeeding. So if you're not breastfeeding, you get what then? You get a less optimal child. Are you also maybe indicating that it's impacting their emotional intelligence? Yeah. And the reason that I'm 
bringing you this message is because most people that are trained with this knowledge fear that if they say what I just said, that a, that a mother on the other end of this call will feel the emotional impact that their decisions in life may be the reason why their child is currently sick or their child has a mystery symptom or a chronic illness and they can't, they don't, they've been trained not to say that, they don't want to say that, and they're afraid that they may lose their certification or, um, you know, their schooling or their hospital or their organization may not represent them because they're out there telling the truth and that truth may make somebody feel bad that shows a different path in life. But I'm here not to put down somebody else's, you know, uh, decisions of the path, but I'm here to make sure that the next decisions, baby number two, grandchild number two, number one for some, uh, that you're using optimal information to make optimal decisions so that you have an optimal child. Well, right. And so, and even if you did make this mistake, I, I want to go into that. I'm going to take a minute here. Let's say you you raise your child and you didn't breastfeed and you went to the hospital like I don't know 99% of the Americans that they did you know like here's the thing throw yourself a grace card right you didn't know it was how you were programmed and so we're here to change the trajectory of our future and we can't change what occurred in the past but we certainly can heal what happened in the past right and so if you do have a child that's sick, actually on October 10th, I have two doctors on the show, uh, Dr. Babb and Dr. Cindy Howard, and we're going to be talking, um, I know one of us, uh, the, the first, uh, Dr. Cindy's going to be talking about gut health. Um, and so, you know, we can repair the gut. I've done it, right? I've done it. I've done it for my clients. I've, my husband's done it. A lot of us have done it, right? We all have gut health issues. The body is a master healing machine. So this show is not an opportunity to make yourself wrong. Okay, we're here to enlighten you and give you the freedom of new choices. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and if you go to strongstanding.com, which is my website, the the base website is about, um, you know, healing from chronic illness, mystery symptoms, uh, you know, infections, what, what has come later in life. And uh, I decided I wanted to specialize also in birth because if we look at, you know, what, uh, what can actually change and impact the world, that is that, you know, nine months you know, after conception and those next, you know, two, nine months to two years of breastfeeding, that's really what can uh, change the world. So if I did all the research and looked at, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank and the monetary policy, or if I looked at, you know, war and revolution or the, the government and the, the debts and, you know, invasions and, and all the stuff, that all the conspiracy channels that go, you know, have gone around the world, you become an expert in those, but it won't impact you on a, a daily level, you know, all that research that you do into these conspiracy things. But what can impact you on a daily level daily is when you open that refrigerator, you know, you see those foods in front of you uh, and those decisions that you make as a mother that can impact your child and have lasting, um, you know, positive effects. And I really believe that you can throw all the money you want 
that, you know, reducing crime and reducing poverty and throw all the money you want at homelessness and throw all the money you want at, you know, medical establishment. And it's never going to change and make things better. The only thing that will make things better is this information right now being used on a global level. Like once we have, you know, babies that are brought into a, you know, to this world through loving conception of, you know, loving parents who have decided, okay, we're at this point in our lives, we now want to have a baby, and bring that baby into the world, and we you know, detoxed our bodies for the last nine months, now we're going to have, you know, make that bond, now we're developing a baby, we're as husband and wife, we're going to create the best environment, toxic-free, we're going to be great, now we're going to have this beautiful birth, we're going to have this optimal flower, we're going to breastfeed, and we're going to, you know, feed our baby throughout life, once we have multiple generations of that, and that's when we'll see, you know, all these negative aspects in our society decline. Um, we're not, uh, you know, there's not a, a random murder that takes place and they say, describe the victim. They're not saying, well, he was a vaginal birth from loving parents and was breastfed his entire life. Like, that's not the people that are out there contributing the atrocities in life. Wow. So I just got a note um, from Naima Latif, our executive um, producer, and she's in Korea right now. Are you with me? So she's in Korea right now. And so um, she's going to air this in Korea. We're going to, um, she's going to share this show. Uh, so I'm going to send her a link. I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, but I'm going to send her a link so she can uh, air this show in Korea with all the journalists and reporters. So, All right, I need a 15-second break. Go for it. Go for it. So um, while uh, Tom is on break <clears throat> or on pause, I hate using the word break, um, I invite you to share the show with others. And I know I'm being pushy about it, but I'm very, um, very passionate about this topic because, like Tom said, you know, this is the um this is the foundation uh this is the foundation for the health not only of your baby but of all babies and then of course uh the trajectory of our comp of our of our world let me bring him back in hi tom and so aloha. what i was what i was saying thank you aloha was that this is so critically important because it um this this creates the foundation for health for not only the child, the family, and then of course uh, your city, your your state, your country, and then the world. And we, you know, we have, you know, we have to be the change that we want to see, and we have to start having the lose the fear and start sharing this information. Share this show of any show. Share this show. This is, I mean. This is the most important show I think that I've ever done. Um, I, I, um, it, it's critical. So, uh, Naima, you have the link. So I sent it to you. I don't know if I was needed to send it in an email. I sent it in a text. So I'm actually just going to send it in an email as well, just in case you need it there. Um, and I'm sending it to your Yahoo address. So, okay. So we're going to see how this works. You know, um, always a new day here. Um, so where do we want to go from here? So we, we talked about, um, you know, I do have a question. 
because uh, it goes against my understanding of things. And, you know, I'm always a student. So you said uh, the cholesterol um, that they're getting um, through the breast milk, of course, uh, supports with the gut health. And then you said the breast milk is 94% sugar, 2% protein, 2% fat. And so when I think about a healthy brain, I think about having the right fat, right, for that brain because, um, you know, we need that fat to offset things like dementia, Alzheimer's, and, you know, like that. So can you um, help me understand this? You know, yeah. these notes that I took about that. Okay, so the fat is what runs our brain has become like a trend in the, in the myth that a lot of people are just repeating. Um, the brain is built with carbohydrates, so it runs with carbohydrates. Like brains are sweet, if you will, if you, you know. Well, we absolutely need sugar for our brain. I mean, I don't want it. It's a type of sugar. Yeah. The the brain runs on sugar. The lipids, so the fats or the lipids in your brain are there as more of insulation. They're not really a fuel as they are like an insulation and a temperature regulation and to really insulate those nerves. It's not that you're burning fat in your brain as you're, as a process, as like if you're thinking and you're you know, doing a podcast, you're not burning fat, you're burning um, carbohydrates. So if I'm going into a podcast and I want my brain fired up, then I'm not eating fatty foods, I'm eating dates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high sugar, uh, immediate um, glycose and glucogen, glycogen, glucose and glycogen, to the brain, so your brain can be storing that uh, glycogen, not storing the uh, fat. The, well, I, I, I had the, this. <laughs> this is upgrade, and it actually yeah. puts, uh, um, it, it increases blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So, and yeah. it's not a stimulant. So what has happened is that people have been fatting themselves mm-hmm. to death. So what happened is when they did all these series of autopsies on standard uh, standard American uh, brains during autopsies, they were finding all these fat deposits, and they said, "Oh, this must be, you know, this must be normal. This must be a fuel. This must be what the brain runs on." But that the fatty brain is like a fatty liver, so your liver, you know, gets yellow yeah. You fat need balance. Yeah, you need balance, and it's also the source of your yeah. fat. We're not looking for KFC people. If it gets like wedged <laughs> in there, and then you do an autopsy, you see fatty liver. It's not like, oh, your liver needed to store that fat. It's like it has an abundance of bad, you know, fat that it had to put somewhere. So that's where it's coming. So the the baby's growing on you know fruits and vegetables and carbohydrates, and it's not growing on hot dogs and hamburgers. And bacon, like uh, so many mothers want to uh, consume. Mm-hmm. And when you go to your pediatrician or you go to your OBGYN for these consultations, you're a customer. Um, and the salesman doesn't want to upset you. And the number one way to 
upset a customer is to take away their addictions. So your salesman is never going to take away your addiction. And the number one addiction in America right now is excess adrenaline. So people are addicted to stuff that gives them these small little adrenaline hits. Mm -hmm. And those adrenaline hits wear down your battery. So each time that you consume something that puts you in the fight, flight, or freeze, that's a, a human element that's It'll blow out your adrenal glands that sit on your kidneys yeah. all day long, right? So you're meant to go through that, you know, once a week, once a month. It's not supposed to be every single meal that you eat something that you're, you have to release adrenaline so that it can calm it down so that it doesn't, you know, kill the, the body, the organ, the brain, or rapidly injure it. So women are being encouraged to drink coffee which coffee is one of the worst things that you can uh, do for, you know, fertility. It's the cause, it may cause infertility. It's horrible why you're uh, pregnant and it's horrible why you're breastfeeding. But I would tell you if you went to a hospital, there's not a single pediatrician or OBGYN that's going to tell a woman that she's 100% you know, coffee because the, the woman will find another doctor well, my friend's doctor says she can drink coffee, and they will go to another expert as opposed to remove the addiction from their life. And I'm saying this because I'm building up to our crescendo of talking about infertility. Okay, before we do that, I want to give people a solution because that's who I am, right? So, uh, so if you can't have coffee, which I have not drank coffee in, I don't know, probably 12 years. I mean, I may have had a sip. I don't know. Um, this is what I, um, I use. It's Ticino. It's made with dandelions, caffeine-free, acid-free, natural energy boost. It has a prebiotic in it. So again, really good for your gut health. And so, uh, and they recently came out with, um, um, versions that have like lemon balm, lion's mane, you know, different, um, uh, um, different uh, mushrooms and, and and the chocolate one is out of this world. I like, I was like, so in my happy place. And I just want to say this, you know, um, this allows you to have the taste of coffee and then you get nutrients and nutrients are supposed to give you the boost without the crash. What would life look like for you if you had a boost without the crash? That's all I'm saying. And go. I, I will say, so I did my health education uh, certification at the Hippocrates Health Institute in mm. West Palm Beach. Love it. Not, and that's an on-campus, you know, live on campus, um, 24 hours a day in the class, classroom. So you're, you know, you're interacting with people that have the worst diseases in the world when they get there, and then you see them without them in the end. And they... Uh, offered that Tashino, the same product that you have there, they offer that. Um, I think, you know, people really like the lemon balm. So lemon balm is great for your brain health. For fertility, it's safe for pregnancy, it's safe for uh, breastfeeding, and it's one of the uh, strongest herbs. Uh, it also goes by the word Melissa, so it doesn't, it's yeah. not based on lemon. 
Well, and it's really superb for your brain health. And I am a brain health professional. And so um, I really focus on what are the things that are going to support the brain? Why? Well, because the brain is your executive center and it controls every organ, tissue, and cell in your body. So whatever, you know, supports your brain, I'm like, do that. Um, Wow. So... Uh, yeah, so what, where are we going next? Sorry, because I'm letting you, I'm kind of letting you leave, but I'm interfering. Like building on infertility? Yes. What is the cause of infertility? Why are so many women, um, and, and you can't place the blame on the woman. So much of the blame for infertility is placed on the woman, and none of it placed on, you know, usually not placed on the man. So anything that I say we're going to be addressing as a couple, as a couple um, whether, whether I make that specific analogy or not. Um, so infertility, ferti- you know, fertility, why are so many people having to go to a fertility doctor, a fertility clinic, why are so many people you know, being told they have to do some sort of IVF, um, you know, why are there so many test tube babies? Um, really, what we're looking at is that we're looking at an epidemic of people not of not telling the truth. So when you go to these clinics, um, they're not saying you know why. Like let's address why you're why you're infertile. Let's detox. Um, they're just simply saying, okay, well we have a stream of revenue that's usually you know minimum forty thousand dollars. Let's get you into the system so that you progress through this chain of misery that may result with the baby, you know, but for most women, it's a miserable and they don't talk about the injections at night and all the misery that they go through. Um, I'll, I'll touch on a, a couple of the infertility reasons. Um, mainly it's birth control. So if you want to take something that's going to completely damage a woman's body for life, it would be birth control. So birth control isn't out there, you know, stopping acne. Acne is not a you know, birth control. It's not a lack of birth control. Because so many women are being put on birth control pills, not for, because they're having unprotected sex, but because of acne or some skin issues. Or, or, or because they have heavy periods, which is what they did to me. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to have to interrupt. I have a question, and um, no is okay. But if we're able to stay, I, did, I typically don't do this, and I've actually never done this, but if you can stay on extra because we're going to be, uh, um, one, there's more to cover, and it's so important. And we have some uh, people from, from uh, journalists from Zambia coming in um, uh, momentarily, and I want, I, I want you to keep sharing, and I also need to share this story because I think it is going to make a huge impact. Uh, do you have time to stay? I do have time. Good. God bless. Okay, so I want to share this story. And um, last night, I'm just going to say, um, I was getting ready to go to bed, and my computer was, um, look, I'm doing a lot of video stuff, so the computer was getting overwhelmed, and so I started deleting things, right? And, you know, it's always a God job with me. And I'm I'm just going to share what I found. I didn't delete this one. Um, and, um, so this is a letter that I wrote to my doctor and why am I bringing this up? Well, because I'm bringing this up because 
um, and I'm going to bring on Naima in a minute here. So uh, Naima, we're we're uh, we're going to talk about this story real quick. So as people know, I was misdiagnosed and never medicated on 19 different medications and basically left for dead. And I wrote after I reclaimed my health. This letter to my doctor was written in 2016, and um, I started crying last night. Because if you look at number four, it said, by 2007, I had incontinence. When I would sleep, my brain literally would shut off, and I could no longer communicate with the rest of my body. And when I told you, this is my doctor, when I told you this, you laughed. And you said, you said well, you know, you should wake up before you go to the bathroom. You know, my bed was soaking wet. Yeah. Soaking wet. And... And so, and when, and then four years later, I had such um, huge, um, I, I had such um, bad periods that they went and removed all my organs. And um, the reason they removed my organs, all my female organs, was because of those drugs that they put me on. I had tumors. And the tumors were black and filled with brown pus. And we're killing our children. I don't normally do this. I'm sorry. No, you're completely right. And we're killing our children in the name of what? And they almost killed me. And so I found this letter last night on accident or God job. I don't know which. God job. To remind me, because I kind of defended this doctor. Oh, he was trying to do the best thing. He really wasn't. And it was really difficult for me to, to get with the fact that he every clinical trial he put me on, which was 10 of them, he got $10,000 for it. And I saw it because I, I went to grad school with a lot of people from the pharmaceutical industry, and they showed me where to find that information. So I saw it with my own eyes, his clinical trial. Right? And so, and how much he got paid. And he thought it was funny that I'm peeing myself in bed. Like, that's funny. I would just get up. And then, of course, I had, I could have children. And I could have children because he destroyed my insides. And I take full responsibility for taking the drugs per his direction, but I trusted him. And I'm here to tell you to stop trusting people and, and, and think for yourself. Don't do what I did. Okay, so that's 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 that. I agree. There's so many people that are making profit-driven uh, decisions, and they take no welfare for uh, what you know the medical system calls their patients. And I think they call them their patients because they have to patiently wait for years, as the medical system never find them a solution or an answer. So we have a great medical system when it comes to emergencies. Um, you know, car accident, emergency surgeries, and that sort of thing is far beyond uh, what it's ever been. But the rest of the medical system is completely flawed. It's just become, you know, uh, a profit. It, it is the, it's probably, you know, the number one industry in uh, North America, you know, in America right now, they've outsourced everything else except creating sickness and then trying to prevent a solution and then delaying it. 
in so many uh, women, it's been especially women, that the doctor has no problem placing the blame on the woman. They always say it's the woman's fault. They are less likely to do that to a man, but to a woman, they will say, you know, place the blame on you. You're making this story up. You're looking for attention. You're looking for whatever it may be. Um, they'll place that on the woman, or it's your body is attacking itself, or it's your genetics, or you're just not. Oh, genetic. yeah, and that's the other thing, the genetics. So my mom had ovarian cancer, which is why I agreed to go under the knife to get rid of my ovaries after she died. Um, it's not genetics. I'm no, sorry. It's, it's your environment and what you're feeding your body. Let me yeah. welcome, uh, is this Betty or Monica? Uh, uh, this is Monica Mayuni, and this is... Ah, coma, and I'm so I'm so glad that addressing this, Jody. You know, we're here in South um, Korea at the peace summit of the uh, Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Life Organization (HWPL), and today we went to a very powerful women's conference, and with women all over the world, were addressing some of the challenges that we face with neglect and having to overcome some of these issues that you raised. And these two women are journalists, and so they report on things, report on the news. Of course, all of us women have faced doctors that dismiss us, um, don't treat us as if our, our health issues are concerned. So this is very powerful what you're doing and exposing what happened to you because it's such a, a common story and what we're seeking to do in changing the mindset of the global community is to create more respect for women. And so your story just points out the importance of this. What happens when people don't care that we have health needs and the doctors on the training as well. So I'm going to let Monica, Mayuni, and Betty Kokoma tell us a bit about their story, what they do as journalists in Zambia. And, you know, what, what, is, the, what is the health situation with women there? Do you find uh, that women tend to not be heard? And are there some crisis situations that you all have addressed and maybe even exposed as journalists? I think, um, you know, there are times when uh, women are not heard. I think uh, it's uh, a universal problem when women are trying to, like, you know, to talk about certain challenges, even health challenges that they are facing, they are not taken seriously. Um, and this is one of the things that uh, I think should be addressed adequately. You know, when you talk about health issues, I think she was trying to highlight what she experienced. And in Zambia, it's a similar issue. When you talk about, for instance, issues of fertility, mm -hmm. let me go to that issue. Um, in our culture as Africans, most of the time when you are unable to conceive, they would put the blame on a woman, mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, she's the one who has a problem. They don't want to blame a man. And um, these are some of the things uh, that really need to change because a problem may be with a woman, yes. Sometimes it may be with a woman. Sometimes it may be with a man. So it is very important that 
even as you go to the to the hospital, for instance, if you're having challenges in conceiving, the doctor should look at both, but usually they suspect before they even examine you, they suspect it's you, a woman who's having a problem. They try to examine you, uh, you know, uh, do all sorts of tests on you to to ensure that you know you are, you are perfect before they get to a man. So these are some of um, uh, you know the major challenges that women uh, do face. But there are other other many many challenges that uh, uh, women face. Maybe I can come to that a little later. Yes, depending on on the question that you ask. Yes. So what has been your experience, your observation? I think basically that everyone wants to make a to talk about ignorance, mm-hmm. uh, the issue of uh, looking at Africa and how many women obviously are illiterate about issues to limit their body. It's all in the hands of a doctor who understands the concept of how your body works and obviously what you're going through every time you have, you have complications in your body. An example I just want to probably give out is um, a daughter when they reach menstruation. The aspect of really having that free conversation with, uh, you know, their family, could be their mother or anybody that they are close to, really becomes a very big challenge because it's, it's mostly considered as a taboo for you to be able to mention such things to your mother or to mention such things to someone who's very close to you. And in the end, you become more vulnerable to, to men who actually come to show some sort of like love to them. And in the end, that becomes out. The challenge they begin to face, well, even if a woman is being abused, they will still stick to that marriage. Whatever blame they're given, it becomes like them. Mental issues also begin to actually come in in the picture because it's the aspect of we're not really talking so deep about these issues, we're just really touching the top, the subject of the issue. So if we can get to the root cause of really, you know, empowering women to a point where they begin to understand who they are. If I have a problem and I know for sure to say there's this problem that are not conceiving or with partner wants me to have a child or we want to have a child and we it's taking a bit of time. It could be, it's not even maybe a problem that I have, but it, it, it's the process that it, it should be, both of us that should be cancelled. Because even in the marriage set up, when you look at how the foundations of marriage are, if a woman is the one that is more concentrated than a man. So in your home, such problems come about because the man is fixed as, as the source of every, every problem. The man is picked as the source of, of what? I'm sorry. The woman is the one that as the source of the problem. The, the woman's always blamed. Oh, what are you doing wrong? You know. And and, and so I would assert though. Yeah, you know, I think in our culture, we are we are trying our level to get exposed to a lot of things. Some of us yes are enlightened on a number of issues, but we have the majority of the people that are not enlightened. They don't even know their rights. And just in addition to what she said, you know. We are also talking about the girl child, for instance. You know, before you become of age, before you are 16, before you are 15, you know, you have uh, this sexual thing. Um, many girls in our society are not free to discuss uh, such things with uh, their parents mm-hmm. about their feelings, about what they intend to do, for instance. If she's at school, she sees a friend with, um, with a boyfriend. And she's wondering, should I also go in a relationship or not? She doesn't have anybody to ask. Okay. And unfortunately, some parents are, are still ancient. Ancient in that they don't want to open up to their children. So their children end up making, you know, silly, silly mistakes like, you know, uh, just because they've seen a, a friend having a boyfriend, they would also want to do it without even asking on what precautions. 
know, they must undertake in that particular relationship when maybe uh, they get pregnant because of unprotected sex. Maybe when um, uh, maybe they they get infected with HIV or any other STI. That's when you know the parents come in uh, to ask how how yeah, how did it happen? How did this happen? You know, it is too late. We are better off uh, preventing the problem than being reactive. Uh, I think uh, these are some of the things that we really need to address. I know we have a lot of um, um, non-governmental organizations, the civil society, trying to sensitize the people, but still, it is still there. I don't know how big, you know, this can be approached from, from our culture. Uh, there are just a few of us, maybe me, because I'm a journalist and uh, I'm, I'm exposed, I'm able to talk to my children about anything, but you go to most of these homes, even our close relatives, you know, we are even afraid to talk to their children because the moment you talk to them, they'll be like, oh, what are you doing? You, you want to spoil my child and all that. Then we really have a lot of work as, as journalists. We have a lot of work as, you know, yeah. Africans, yeah. Africans to educate each other so that we are on the same way. And yeah. we are not as bad mm-hmm. as far as information is concerned. Yeah. And what, what is the, the news agency that you work with? So, I mean, it's an opportunity to, to use your platform to be able to educate. But now, what is the, the literacy situation with women? I know in a lot of countries, you know, girls are discouraged from even going to school and higher education, and that makes them vulnerable to taken away 
from the family. So when we see that that daughter has all these questions, she's most likely not going to go to her parents, but she used to go to her grandmother and her grandmother or you know someone that she it was somebody that she saw as the medicine woman that kept the family knowledge and family secrets and used to have these you know these uh, these natural answers to what was going on in the family. And what really, you know, that woman going to the grandmother, grandma saying, this is what you can use for, you know, natural conception. This is, you know, how your cycle works. It's, you know, there's five days here, eight days there. Uh, these are your options. That's really been replaced by, uh, you know, what I hear from you, by some sort of American Medical Association that is coming into other countries. And they're saying, listen, if you want our money, then you have to, you know, take our medical system um, and you have to take our you know, economic policy and you have to take our policies and then we're going to shove our stuff down your throat. You had a culture where you already had a system in place and where that was being addressed. And that was being addressed by that grandmotherly loving, you can come to me uh, for understanding and I won't tell your parents. Now that daughter sees that role being replaced and her family is no longer the answers to her. And now she has to go to some person that's wearing a white jacket and they're giving the authority uh, of the entire family over to this medical system just because this person is portrayed as, you know, having the answers. And these people come as authority and they provide no answers. They, they're not bringing, you know, Zambia answers on the medical issues, the economic issues, the infrastructure issues. They just see it as a, a band-aid why they, why they you know, take resources away. Maybe um, I can add one more thing uh, to uh, women issues. You know, we are taught that uh, before a woman conceives, she has to take care of herself uh, in so many ways. But uh, we have a situation where most of these women conceive before they are ready, like their bodies are ready. Yes, and during the time that they are uh, pregnant, you know, they are neglected usually by their spouses. And this is another problem. Just I think last week we had our Minister of uh, Health, um, Sylvia announcing that uh, Zambia is likely not to attend um, uh, the sustainable um, goal number two, um, SDG number two, on, um, um, number I think, number two, preventing. Uh, um, Preventing anger by 2030, yes, uh, because of stunting, we have uh, a lot of children uh, that are stunted, and uh, this is another problem. It only, it only goes to show that uh, that are not properly prepared before they get pregnant. During pregnancy, they are not uh, they are not really taken good care of, and during the time that the children are born, they are not taken good care of because if all things we are done in an ideal situation. We are not supposed to have such type, type of problems. Yeah. So that goes to show that you know we have a lot of women, a number of challenges, but definitely I would know what to do so that I have a healthy child. And during the time that the baby is born, I would make sure that you know all the necessary things are done for the betterment of so are the babies born in hospitals out there, or are they born in the home? How are they? Usually they are born in health facilities. They are born in health facilities. Unfortunately, you know, the health workers uh, do not have, like, um, uh, 
a direct, uh, they, they, they can't do anything uh, most of the time. They can only give advice. They can just go as far as giving advice. They cannot provide the necessary food that is needed for that woman to have a healthy baby. All they give are those, um, the, you know, the ice, the cartilage, and it ends there. The rest of the things the woman has to do herself and her family, uh, she has to ensure that she she takes the, the, the balanced diet. That is not the responsibility of the health worker. So it's interesting. So at the beginning of the show, we were sharing about, so, you know, uh, Tom is a certified doula, uh, prenatal birth coach and pregnancy advisor. And so, um, you know, we were talking about all those things that contribute to a healthy child. And it obviously it starts with the mom uh, and what she's putting into her body. Right. And, um, and, and also, of course, we were speaking about our water supply, which I'm sure is an issue there as well. And the <clears throat> toxic levels uh, from all the pollution and, um, and whatnot. Um, you know, something that I would like to uh, touch on, because I don't know if they're still doing this in Zambia or not, but, you know, and, and we certainly do it here in the United States, we mutilate our children when they're born, right? Um, I, in the United States, we're mutilating the men. We're circumcising them. And are we still mutilating women in Zambia? No, uh, that is not a big problem in Zambia. We don't have genital mutilation in Zambia. I think it's only common in East Africa, in particular Tanzania. That is where that practice is. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know, but I just know it exists. Yeah. No, no. And so I think that it's also important. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe the high poverty levels, that is what is contributing to that high poverty levels, high illiterate levels. In as much as we know that recently the government introduced good policies um, uh, to, to ensure that many people enroll for, for education, uh, that is a year ago not so. Uh, yeah, we now have more people going to school, but uh, generally uh, the number of uh, illiterate, the, the percentage of illiterate levels is quite high. That is one of them, and uh, the poverty levels also, uh, they are high. So it could be, uh, that is my assumption, it could be one of the reasons why we have uh, a lot of women uh, having uh, started children. Mm, yeah. When you say stunted children, you mean children that... that they, they, yeah, like, no, 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 no. What I mean is, you know, these children, for instance, somebody is five years old, they look like maybe they are six months old. Oh. Not really, it's not like malnutrition, but these are able to survive, but they look younger than they are oh. in their oh. Tom, do you want to speak to that? Is that something you're comfortable speaking about? What I I will take one of the words that you said when you were just giving a couple examples and you said you know iron supplements or you know, iron tablets. Um, most iron tablets are simply just ferrous iron, which is just metal. So they 99% of iron that is given to a pregnant woman is just metal. You can pick it up if you were to ground that tablet. You could pick it up with a magnet because they're using the lowest source of iron they can and it becomes a toxic heavy metal in the body and it rusts in the body and it causes brain damage and neurological 
symptoms. So iron that her body actually. Wow. I'm scared. Yeah. No, no. So don't be scared yet. I'll scare you. Hold on a second. What now, he said. The body ahead. actually needs has to come in soil, and then the soil bacteria and fungi work with the plant to create it into something that then the plant takes up, then that becomes bioavailable. So if your iron supplement isn't coming from a plant like spinach or something that's mm -hmm. high in iron, and they're just using ferrous iron, which is most of the product, probably 96 to 99%, mm -hmm. then the baby's being born with toxic heavy metal poisoning that can have immediate impact on their education levels. And I'd be willing to bet that those prenatal vitamins that they're be, being given as well are just chemical synthetic versions. So the baby would need folate, but most of the time they're given folic acid. Um, the baby would need, you know, vitamin C, but they're beginning ascorbic acid just because it's cheap. Uh, the baby would need methylcobalamin, uh, you know, that activated, they're getting uh, cyanocobalamin, which is from cyanide. So the, the babies are being poisoned with their prenatal vitamins. Um, most of the time they're not being naturally birthed. They have some sort of you know, fetal heart monitor, there's Pitocin, or, there's some you know, intervention of forceps that are pulling that baby. They're being immediately taken away from the mothers. They say we need to do tests, but the tests are just they're, you know, rubbing the Vernix, the solution supposed to be on the baby, they're holding the babies upside down. Sometimes they're still smacking babies. They're injecting stuff up their noses to get the fluids out. Like they're intervening to create separation between the mother and the baby. And, and just for you ladies to know, when that happens, when you separate the mom and baby immediately after birth, the baby doesn't produce the hormones and the feeling of love it thinks that the mom died during birth and it starts to go through a grieving process. So the baby's actually in mourning and then the mom can't smell the baby, can't hear the baby, can't see the baby, there's no pheromones. Then the mom's body will start to go through a grieving or in mourning or in depression. And then that breaks the bond between the mother and the baby. And then the baby will can even grow up from, from just that little amount of time with less connection to the mother. And then the mother may have this, well, I don't feel the same connection to the, my baby that some of the other mothers I know have. And that's also very common with uh, C-sections. So if you were to have a cesarean section, the hospital makes more money. They can schedule the time so the doctor knows what time this is going to happen. They don't have to wait for a natural process. But when there's a cesarean section and that baby's just removed out of the mom, the mom's body thinks that that baby died and the baby is separated during like a NICU unit or they're on monitors, and, you know, wristbands and heart monitors. And then the baby also thinks that the mom didn't survive birth and it just creates a disconnection. So what we need to do is reestablish this loving birth. We need to have natural birth, vaginal birth, and then we need this optimal hour where the baby and the mom are looking at each other's eyes and, and smelling the pheromones, and there's, we're not putting hats on the babies or swallowing the babies up. It needs to be like skin to skin. If the father's present, the father needs to be in the room. 
that's how we create a bond and, and that then the baby will grow up you know and then the baby will want to latch and go through breastfeeding and it's the breastfeeding that will give that baby the strength it needs so you don't see underdeveloped babies wow well let, let me just take this one step further so uh, first of all thank you tom you're amazing you're amazing um so let's go back to these these metals right all these heavy metals that are now in the ba- in, in the baby's body and in, in the woman and now you have all the um 5g cell towers all the technology that's out there well that technology is connecting with the human body because it has all those heavy metals that are not supposed to be there anyway and it's causing anxiety it's causing stress, depression, panic attacks. And they up that level of 5G because they're controlling those frequencies, okay? And so all of a sudden, you're having these outbreaks of anger and anxiety either in the home or outside the home, out, you know, these riots. Well, why do you think people are all rioting at the same time, right? It's a frequency. And I am a frequency expert. So I study frequencies, and I make the anti-nasty frequency. I make frequencies that heal. So, and I give them away for free on my YouTube channel. So y'all can download them and heal your brain. But, but it, it's such, um, it's such a, um, it's a wheel, right? This um, a circus of things that they're exposing us to that keep the the human body under control of someone other than the person and we need to have the freedom to control our own bodies and information start our freedom starts with information flow of information so that we can have new choices to make Mm. so this is information that i would love to see in your your uh publication i think that women need to know and men need to know, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and I just published an article. It's going to be in Florida Women's Magazine and in um, Topeka Health and Wellness. So I, I write for several magazines. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm happy to share what I have with you if, if you'd like it. Because it's, it's uh, we're just touching the surface. <laughs> so much, so much. I know, I know we've got to go, but uh, one last question. When people try to change the system, like when, when you challenge what has been done, what is usually the response? Do you get support from women? Um, do you get support from men? When, you know, you come people to speak up in ways that maybe challenges what's being done? Women are more responsive when it comes to issues. It's only lifestyle. They are, they are responsive, they are willing to like move uh, with the train. You can easily convince a woman, except uh, they are afraid to make certain decisions, especially when it comes to, to issues of, of, of health. You know, they don't want to like offend their husbands. They always want to involve their husbands before they make certain decisions. And if the husband says no to, to a certain uh, issue them mm-hmm. don't go by that otherwise they are very responsive they are willing to like learn yeah that's what that's well what. people are hungry they are hungry 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 for a leader 
and they're hungry for a transparent, honest leader. Right, right. Well, Betty, do you think that younger women are maybe more open to being willing to go against the system? And yes, they are willing to us to go against the system because they're exposed to such information, exposed to the level of education, just like um, my colleague already knows that the issues of uh, ignorance without education. Because if a person really understands what is good for them, I think any of us would want to go for life, want to save our lives for, for the better. But the big challenge is a lot of young women are more vulnerable to the system. It's, it's like I just want to survive because that is the only thing that has been presented to me. But if I'm given an opportunity to choose and I understand why I'm making this decisive choice that I'm making, then definitely I'll be able to say no. One thing that I would appreciate about our country is that as, as at the moment the creative is the youth friendly corners even in, in, in public uh, where young people are able to actually go and really consult some of these challenges that they are going through as a way to just help them understand their bodies because it has become a challenge with the parents at home. Parents have become busy because they have to actually do this for their families. And in the end, there's that negligence between them and their children. And social media is taking care of us, young women. It's like whatever I see, uh-huh. what I go with. So, with regards to information, I do like what we just need is to really continue pushing as the media. I don't get tired of it. As much as we're getting this information, for us, it's like now the mix up, you know, we want to share out there. And again, to really show some of these practical lessons that you're sharing with us. Of course, you see, this is what will happen to you if you don't get this information to it. But we really have a long way to go. Yeah. So the children go to those health facilities if they are supported by their parents or the relatives of, of their parents, what happens? It's something that's a very big problem. So they just need to sneak in, you know. Oh, wow. They literally hide when they go to access those services. Oh, if they are like birth control or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I just want to um, take us back for a moment to what's happening to people's brains and when they have those heavy metals and the 5G. If you look at this screen, and I'm not going to play this video, but for maybe a second, but uh, it's not that long. I don't even want to do that. But basically, the red blood cells here are clumping, okay, when they get exposed. And then it stops people from processing information and having optimal blood flow and microcirculation. So... Just wanted to share that so that you guys have an idea about the short term. And that happens in minutes. Wow. This is not like it takes a year for that to happen. It literally takes a minute. Um, What questions might um, Tom be able, you know, so Tom is a certified doula. Uh, He helps people um, prepare for pregnancy and um, have an optimal experience when um, growing their child and birthing their child. And I'm wondering if you might have any questions for him, because he is a resident expert on this, um, that you think that um, would be beneficial for your community. Well, you know, I have a a question, something you mentioned uh, about what happens when you know, the the woman doesn't get the right nutrition and then she's giving these iron pills instead. And also when there's a, a separation of the the mother, mother and this child right after birth. Could that could some of those things be the cause of postpartum depression? That seems to be a big thing now. Women, you know, going through this extreme depression after a birth 
and sometimes yeah. feeling detached from the baby. Could mm-hmm. that be contributing to that? That is that is one of the main causes. Yeah. So it's the um, the uh, yeah. It's exactly what I said. Where it, it's rampant in women that have you know elected C-sections. So it's one thing, you know, if you have a midwife that's trained to deliver a baby and they see there's an emergency situation, you have to do an emergency cesarean section, that's one thing. But we have, you know, mothers that have been taught that birth is very painful or they're going to go through agony and they've been, you know, they've been showing this horrible scenario and now they're electively selecting to have a C-section because it's now trendy or they see that on social media or that's what celebrities, you know, are doing. Um, so they get a, a, a C-section and now they don't have that connection with the baby because the hormones, when, when the baby goes through the birth canal, it transfers a microbiome so the layer of probiotics goes through. But as soon as that baby's vaginally birthed, it, it produces hormones in the mom that says, I just had a baby, now I have to adjust my sleeping patterns. And the mom's body will actually adjust itself so it no longer needs eight hours of sleep. Now it can get by on like four hours of sleep. It adjusts its senses to be able to hear, you know, the baby's cries and interpret that. It uh, you know, regulates, you know, the, the pheromones. All of that comes out during that natural birth process. So all of that is, is signaled then it completely changes the entire chemical structure of the mom. And if the mom doesn't receive that signaling of the natural birth or look in that baby's eyes, then yes, they will go through the breathing process. And then they'll call that the baby blues, or they'll say you have postpartum depression, and they use all these words, but they never put, uh, you know, this is a cause and this is a cure on it, because it's the fault of the the delivery system itself. It's the fault of the hospital. So the hospital or the place of delivery isn't going to say, well, we caused that because we wanted you to have a convenient birth that we could charge more for, that we could bill, you know, insurance for. And I've, I've heard women, you know, say that they break down crying in the shower. You know, when they're alone, they break down crying because they just don't have the bond with the baby that they thought they would have or that they see that other people have. And then when you don't have that bond, then you're not, you know, you're not as willing, willing to educate your baby or you don't see it as an expression of yourself as much, so you're not really there. And then when that happens, you're willing to let the education of the baby into other people's hands. Now you're willing to let the feeding of the baby go into other people's hands. You're allowed, you're more allowed the medical institutions to you know, be involved or the government to be involved in raising your child because you don't have that initial connection. So you're willing to like turn over, you know, instead of like feeling in your heart, you're, you're within, you're willing to, you know, give it to your without. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have any questions or? And then just because I just want to let you ladies know that I'm speaking on this because I developed a course. So I wrote a book. And then I took that book and made it into like a course book. And then I have like videos and, and, and it's a whole course that somebody could subscribe to, you know, the, and then that has, you know, two pages or so page on every one of these subjects from, you know, putting the home in the baby to, to have optimal birth. 
And we also talked about, you know, not laying on your back while you're giving birth. Oh, yeah, that's just a bad thing. All these things that, you know, they only, they seem like a small item, but they create a huge impact. Like, if the woman is, you know, squatting with her knees up to her nipples and she gives birth, then that opens the canal, the baby comes through, all of the oxytocin, the hormones, you know, that take the pain away. Um, the baby's not being squeezed. It's not having contractions that are going on its head. Like, and then the baby develops. But if you're laying on your back and you're trying to like squeeze the baby out, then you're putting all that impact on the baby, and then they're gonna, you know, later in life have the uh, symptoms of that. Wow. You, you had a question also. Yes. Um. On uh, regarding C-section. You know, in Zambia, I think uh, that has become very common, and um, the justification that um, the medical practitioners are giving is that, uh, you know, a woman that is above the age of 35, usually, um, I find it almost impossible to give birth normally, uh, because the bones would have hardened and all that, whatever those wow. medical explanations right. they give, yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Women that are above 35, that are within the range of 40, most of them, they don't even want to risk to give birth normally. They just tell the doctor, okay, I should go for C-section because what they are being told is that if you're above the age of 35, you are unlikely to give normal birth and if you take, you may die. So we have a lot of So I don't know, I don't know what a kind of, of what advice you give us, you know, as a professional in this field. So before you do answer that, um, I am going to step out for a moment because I need a biological break, <laughs> bathroom, <laughs> and please carry on, but I'll be right back. All right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. My answer to that is we have the same thing in the United States where age 35, the woman's referred to as a geriatric which is a term that we use for people in their 80s. But they're, call, they're calling these women geriatric high-risk pregnancies without doing any evaluations to them at all. A 35-year-old woman that's prepared her body for pregnancy is far more capable of giving birth than a 25-year-old woman who's neglected her body during pregnancy. So I think, you know, between 35 and 42, you wouldn't need a... a uh, elective, you know, scheduled C-section if you went through the entire process. And a lot of it is hydration as well. So your body has to be hydrated to give birth throughout that entire time. But you have to, what's very important is you have to have a full battery is what we would call. So if you think of your body like, you know, like a cell phone, you charge your battery. Um, so many women are consuming, they have bad habits and consume bad products that is draining their battery, also known as their adrenal gland, and they're just extremely exhausted. So when they come to the moment of birth, their body has already gone through, you know, all this um, stress in their outer life that it doesn't have the energy to push. And then when you put that on top of the fact that the the doctors are making the women lay on their back with their feet up in the air. That's what causes it becomes painful for that woman to have pregnancy at the older age uh, because she's not in the proper position to give birth. She's not properly hydrated. She doesn't have proper nutrition. And, um, and she has a low battery. 
So it's not the age, it's just the, if we took those nine months while she was pregnant and reduced her stress, and we, you know, as we say, it takes a village, and we let, you know, her parents or her grandparents or her husband, you know, help her and encourage her, then she would be completely fine, you know, having the natural birth process. Um, a lot of women are told that, you know, you may rip the perineum, or, you know, there might be ripping. A lot of that's lack of dehydration um, or flexibility. Uh, you know, uh, belly dancing is not a sexual dance. It was designed for um, birth. It's designed to work your, abdo your abdominal muscles and your hips and to move around. So there's stretching you can do. You know, there's flexibility issues. You can get massage therapy. So it gives you the flexibility in your hips to, you know, to make a wider birth canal. And I totally don't think that that's limited. A lot of times we have women that are going to uh, getting ultrasounds, and ultrasounds are being used uh, to not benefit women. They're being used as like uh, tools of the hospital for scaring women into getting C-sections. So the ultrasound technicians are, are basically, I can't say they're being trained to, but they're being encouraged or incentivized to tell, oh, the head looks really big. You might want to consider. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're this. Every woman I see that gets more than one ultrasound, that ultrasound technician will create a chaos and a controversy where there isn't one. And when I talk to those women at the end, they, they say during their birth that what they, the ultrasound technician told them and why they had to be on a special medication and get the special, all this stuff and come in once a week never even was a result. But the ultrasounds are being used to try to convince women that their baby weighs too much, their baby head is too big, their baby's this or that, and that they should get a C-section. And it's just simply not true. They're just... Most uh, ultrasounds are false positives. They never are proven to be true. A woman with a, a, a midwife with a stethoscope is more accurate than a um, ultrasound in determining the health of a baby. You know, once it's once it's about to be delivered. So, is there radiation exposure with the ultrasound or not? Because I'm not really sure. Yeah, ultra, the word sound is just to cover up that they're using like a microwave or a radiation wave. Um, it's incredibly disturbing to the baby. It actually penetrates the baby. There's a little element of heat. But if, you know, science, sound is amplified underwater, so that baby's underwater, and they're hitting them with the scalper effect as well. So it's a, it's a sound. That's annoying. It's an intense radiation, and uh, it causes the baby distress and pain. Um, and it's not something that should be used on a weekly basis. And what happens is that we also, across the world, have developed this culture where pregnant women will say their favorite part of their pregnancy is getting their ultrasound and being able to look at that baby or to get that picture of the baby. But the ultrasounds that they used to use to just 
like ionizing radiation where you can actually see color and you know see all these features and it looks like you're like you know looking at a video game with your baby as you know the star is not having positive effects on your baby so you could do that once but on a weekly basis it's not positive for your baby yeah so and i want to add to that then because you know so i um had recently um broken my wrist fine though i never even had surgery uh by the way the body can heal itself naturally um <laughs> just saying um but so they kept on doing um, yeah, I had to go in for x-rays to see uh, the bone, okay? And so I want to put this out there because I don't think people are being told truth. What a surprise. Um, that the x-rays that they're doing on people and, of course, then the, um, you know, what, what the ultrasound, that it doesn't have enough radiation to impact you. I want to tell you that's not true. And in that light, in that vein, they're also not covering up with a lead apron to keep you protected anymore. So I want to make sure that your listeners understand, and certainly my listeners and Tom, that if you have to have an x-ray or be exposed to radiation at any point in time, which impacts your thyroid and it impacts your entire body and it clumps your red blood cells, you know, make sure you're staying protected and that you can, uh, and you insist that the um, the technician cover your body with a lead apron. And if they say it doesn't matter, say it does to me. Go ahead, Tom. It, it goes beyond that. So the lead apron. Of course it does. The lead apron um, is what we know to be standard. But when you get that x-ray equipment, it actually comes with a thyroid collar. Yes, I use that. So when they do dental x-rays, they put that radiation right in here, and it's your thyroid that's going to absorb all that radiation. And they make a lead collar yes. that goes completely around your thyroid so that it will lessen the impact of that radiation. And I've never even been, I've never seen anybody that's ever used it. Oh, I have. And the one time I requested it at a dental office, the first person didn't know what it was, and they couldn't find it in the dental office. So I'm assuming they didn't even have one. But what happens is, like, it's rampant around the world for women that have thyroid issues right now. So they're getting that through radiation, the radiation in the food, the water, the toxic water and everything. But they're also getting it because people aren't receiving the proper iodine levels. Yes. If you have proper iodine, like your baby, a baby whose mother's proper iodine will be 10% smarter than a baby that doesn't have proper iodine levels. And that's why we have an Asian culture that's on the coast is smarter, usually smarter because they consume a lot of seaweed. So kelp, oh, wow. uh, nori, dulse have high amounts of iodine. And that's why a lot of those cultures are more intelligent on the general scale. Um, wow. In the United States, they use- Well, can I reframe that? It's not that they're more intelligent. It's that they're able to access their intelligence. Right. Yeah, they yeah. Have minerals. yeah, and I'm always taking my iodine drops under the tongue. Yeah, because I'm yeah, that's how I keep myself going. 
And it's probably around the world. I have a quick question because you mentioned, you know, of course, being a doula and then the natural birth of squatting, and which, you know, we've seen that and in our ignorance that, oh, that's so primitive. Look, they're squatting uh, to have the baby instead of realizing that this is working with gravity and makes more sense. So I'm wondering, you know, just like you mentioned, Tom, about that the culture of the grandmother is, is disappearing. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have maybe older women who are still teaching some of those old methods, or have they been kind of ridiculed like, oh, you're old-fashioned, this is the modern way? What, what, what's happening with, with that? Are there still women there that are doulas? Yeah, yeah, especially in rural areas, you know, most uh, women in rural areas uh, stay very far from uh, health facilities, mm. and uh, we have women that have been trained uh, to to help uh, fellow women give give birth the natural way, mm. and uh, those women are only asked to take those um, women with complications to the health facility, mm. but most of the time, women in rural areas are and actually giving birth normally than those in urban areas. Ah. If you do the statistics, I don't have them, but generally that is the, uh, the, the, the fact. Mm. We have more women in rural areas giving birth normally than women in urban areas. And uh, sometimes, you know, people are claiming it's because we're using genetically modified foods. And uh, the, 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 the other issue is the one that we talked about, saying that, you know, if you're above 35, it's not possible for you to give birth normally. Otherwise, those people in the villages, most of them do give birth. Healthy birth. Health birth, yeah. Uh, the normal way. They uh-huh. don't usually go to health facilities. They only go there thereafter to, for, for, for the doctors to check if the child and the mother do doing fine. Mm. So um, let me ask a question. So in in Zambia, did they introduce GMOs under the radar like they did here in the United States, or were they more transparent about it, or how did that look? Okay. Oh, in terms of policy, I think Zambia has never accepted genetically modified foods, but the truth of the matter is that we still have that coming into Zambia. Oh, yeah. Wow. We import a lot of food. We have it. We have it. So then it is under the radar. Policy-wise, the government has not accepted genetically modified food, but we have it. Mm. So somehow it got smuggled in and and circulated in the habit. So I also feel like it depends on the second of society. If you're in Uh, an urban area, then the whole process of you giving birth at home is like your whole passion. Because even facilities are closer, like you see, but in a rural setup, it's different. Because mm-hmm. I remember I had one experience with working with some advocacy around um, your child menstruation project. So in Eastern Province, one of um, the provinces in Zambia. So I had a minor injury, and I needed to go to the hospital. So my thoughts were that in the South, we usually have the traffic at the health facility. So when I reached the health facility, it was just like a home life here. It was quiet. At the end of the phone, you know, this is the doctor's waiting for you. So I was very shocked and asked, there's no cues now, so no, people here don't come to the hospital. For me, that became like a strange thing. And I said, but how do they get treated? And I was like, no, people here believe in traditional ways of, um, you know, treatment and all that. And I 
Besides asking myself a lot of questions like what could be what could that mean? It simply means that people in the villages really value their cultures and in a way it's also protecting their health in as in as when you look at complications, they even live longer. But of course they still need yeah, medical they advice. They still need medical advice. They still feel that the gap between, you know, the modern uh, system of uh, health and the traditional system. If there can be a way that both can manage, that would work best. But the debates are still there, doctors will tell you this is not right. When in the actual sense, but the work goes up to the community. So I don't know how just to get it up. With the health experts, like yourself and um, uh, the others who are actually in America, really helping us. I feel young people like us will definitely be able to have to, to learn better ways of doing things and also sharing the information with others. I really definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and, and let me ask you another question, if I might. The financial incentive, like like Tom was saying about, they tell you these things, so they can make money on the insurance. If we could remove the financial incentive from it. Well, y'all missed a really huge financial incentive. Um, Tom, are you willing to talk about the placenta again? Oh, my. Or the umbilical cord, I mean. <laughs> when the baby is being born, um, you know, it's... Uh, in optimal, the father would, you know, take the baby uh, and then present it directly Hold to on. the mother. Breathe oh. over there. Breathe. Okay. Breathe. A system where the doctor now takes the baby and the doctor is the first one to look in the baby's eyes and the, you know, baby almost bonds with this doctor or nurse. But um, 30, and then the, the doctor comes out and then they immediately clamp the umbilical cord. But 33% of the oxygen that the baby needs, so the blood and the oxygen and the nutrients and the hormones and all that, is supposed to come through that umbilical, from the placenta through that umbilical cord into the baby once it's born. So when that blood flows from the umbilical cord into the baby, that's what like gives the baby life and signals the lungs to expand and to take their first breath. And then over the course of the hour, the next two hours, that the blood will then run into the baby and it just gives them all this, you know, amazing medicine. But what is happening is the doctors are now being trained to clamp that and to cut it immediately. And the main reason that they're doing that. Wait, pause. What, 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 pause. Wait for this. So hear this. And keep your pantyhose on. Go. <laughs> the main reason they're doing that has nothing to do with the health or better outcome of the baby. It has to do with the fact that the hospital can sell that umbilical cord uh, to the highest bidder. And uh, an umbilical cord can go for anywhere around $40,000 for oh, wow. one umbilical cord. And then they're used for stem cells. So if somebody's like, oh, I got injured and I got stem cell, a lot of times that will come from that baby's umbilical cord. They're also using it in cosmetics. So cosmetics will have umbilical cord uh, solutions in there. They're being um, used in products. So like facial products, you'll see you know, facial serums that will have umbilical cord in them. They're being used in rituals. They're being used for people that think that brings them anti-aging, but those umbilical cords go to the highest bidder, as well as the placenta. 
And that's uh, why. Uh, that's why I said keep your pantyhose on. Taking yeah. the placenta and they're you know, selling it in the umbilical cords and selling them um, for money. So it's about profit. And then from there on, the doctors have you know commissions and stream of revenue of stuff that they will do to the baby that's not in the baby's best interest, but the doctor can make you know anywhere to a, from 150 to 10,000 dollar commission on these procedures that are happening across the world have no benefit for the baby or the mother. They just benefit the industry and the corporations, and those corporations are the ones that make it into a law, or they don't allow it from, you know, leaving the system. Okay, everybody breathe, right? <laughs> really, I mean, everybody breathe. Because it's... Breathe fine, you know, you're... Like, <laughs> you know, Christ, where's it going with? I'm sitting here thinking, how long did they get from my umbilical cord? <laughs> wow. If you do the reverse... So it's hard to believe until you per, until you pretend, you know, as a journalist, like if you went as a journalist and said, and you took on a role and said, I'm going to create a cosmetic and I want to buy, you know, uh, umbilical cord. And then you went on and looked and you blown away how easy it is to go on the internet to buy umbilical cord or umbilical cord fluid you know, to put in your product. Wow. Well, now, now you have something to expose. Yeah. This is investigative journalism. Do you have any questions of us that or that you would like Tom or myself to address? Um, you know, you know, we're, and we're just so grateful to have you here. Grateful to have Tom here and that it was just divine intervention, quite frankly, for this, you know, I did not know this was happening. Um, very, uh, I, 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 um, uh, I am a follower of Christ, and uh, and I think He comes in many forms, so I don't discriminate. <laughs> uh, he does. He just comes in many forms. You know, He's, he's about pure love. I, I believe that God, Source Energy, Divine, just brought us all here today. Shows that we could all spread the, the knowledge. And I want to ask you, is there something else that you would like to ask us or you think that needs to be brought up that's important to you? Uh, for me, yes. I would, I would like to, to find out from Tom. Uh, like, for, for a woman, what age uh, limit do you recommend for someone not to give faith? Is this supposed to be between um, 20 to 40 or what? I don't know. Because uh, we have, I think, some information regarding that. When you go to the hospital, especially in, in here in Zambia, I asked, we are told that if you reach 35, the highest you could go is uh, maybe up to 38. Beyond that, you, you wouldn't even conceive. Or if you conceive, your child may not be as healthy, you know? So I would like to, to find out from you um, the best uh, age range to, to for somebody to conceive, or if they went above 35, uh, can they continue to okay for them to conceive after 35 or so? I believe it's okay uh, for them to conceive. Age maybe, in other words. Yeah, I believe it's, um, it's good for them to conceive at any age that they can conceive. Um, so I don't think we need to put a limit on it. I have, you know, clients that conceived at 42, 43, 
and they have the healthiest babies I know. The limiting factor would be the accumulation of toxins throughout mm -hmm. their life, but you can get rid of about 90% of toxins you can get rid of in a nine-month period. Easy, so and I've done it. I would tell yeah. those women for this nine-month, um, you know, Eat properly, don't put toxins into your body, and then allow your organs to naturally, you know, to release those toxins. Um, and those are like mercury, lead, um, aluminum, that sort of thing. And then chemicals like that come in birth control. So, so many birth control, you know, have chemicals, and then you can use herbs to release those out. So once you release all that and, and the pest, the environmental toxins, so the pesticides, the herbicides, the fungicides, stuff like glyphosate that's being sprayed on the crops. So once that yeah, and, mo and created, monitor like from on the Burger King and McDonald's stuff, like that monitor uh, pesticide is awful. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, then the woman will be able to conceive, and with proper supplements, food, hydration, the stuff that Susan and I talk about. Um, I mean, Jody. <laughs> All good. People call me Susan at some point in time. <laughs> the stuff that we talk about, they're gonna have, uh, they're gonna have a great pregnancy and they're gonna have a, a painless birth. Uh, so I want to add to that, Tom. There's two things. One, my sister had uh, her last child at age 45. You know, wow. and yeah, um, and, you know, she, you know, always ate chemical-free food. Um, number two. These three photos on the screen here are all me. So as a bodybuilder, misdiagnosed, you know, gained over 100 some odd pounds and, of course, reclaimed my health. I didn't really diet. What I did was I got rid of all the toxins. Is this you? They're all me. What in the middle? <laughs> They're all me. So I was a bodybuilder. I used to bench 185 and then was misdiagnosed having schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder because I complained of pain. What really was happening was um, I was exposed to genetically modified food and um, it was a uh, wreaking havoc with my emotional health, not to mention the toxic water I was drinking and showering in, which is critically important not to shower in toxic water. And so when I uh, fell down at work in the parking lot and I tore my rotator cuff, they said the pain I had without doing an x-ray, I might add, was all in my head and that um, I should go see a psychiatrist. And so now I work with mental health practitioners to explain to them that, you know, you need to look beyond, you know, your imagination, look beyond your opinion but do a blood test, do a spec scan, look at the diet. Why are people having emotional uh, issues? Well, you have to look at what they're consuming, what's in their environment, what's the 5G, what's all the, you know, electrosmog doing to their brain and their blood. And, you know, if I can reclaim my health, and I was in this middle picture for two decades, anybody can reclaim their health. You, it's all a choice in the matter. And getting rid of these toxins, I did that in uh, six months. Wow. Six months. 
And yeah, well, I mean, but 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 the thing is, is what I'm trying to say is what Tom is saying is not hard. You just have to make conscious choices about your food, your water, and especially your personal care and, um, you know, home care items, because those are so laden with toxins. Everything that he and I promote and advocate for are plant-based, right? And plant-based without chemicals, meaning they didn't spray it with glyphosate or monitor. You know, what they've done to the potatoes is really scary. Um, yeah, organic but how do you manage organic foods in this environment where we have, uh, you know, uh, foods uh, with a lot of chemicals, yeah. you have food with a lot of fertilizer and all that. I, I don't know. How do you manage? So, so here's, the, here's the answer to that. Um, and I'm sure Tom has a lot to contribute as well. But what I'll say is, one, you have to learn how to grow your own food, okay? Number two... Um, you know, I'm going to be within the week uh, doing a video and we're going to teach people for free how to muscle test, how to access consciousness, how to access the divine and muscle test everything, meaning they can muscle test their food and know whether or not it's chemical free or not. Okay. And it's going to be free on my YouTube channel. And uh, because God came to me and said, it's, it's his children's right to hear him. And it's, your, and it's his children's right to have access to clean water, clean food. And so we are going to teach you for free how to um, uh, know whether or not something has toxins in it. And then I'm going to go to the next step and I'm going to teach about prayer and how you can pray, uh, pray for your food so that you can actually change the DNA. And there's evidence to show that this works when you look at um, – uh, Dr. Emoto's uh, water experiment and how you can actually shift the energy and the DNA of your water or your food. And so people just need to know um, how to self-heal and have access to that consciousness so they can choose appropriately. And I will also say they don't have to eat organic. What they have to eat is responsibly produced. Okay? Yeah. So me... Yeah, yeah, because the, the there is no such thing as organic. As long as we have rain and wind, there is no organic, okay? Yeah. Right? So I know Tom has something he wants to add. Go ahead. I'll add that. It's very easy to say grow your own food, and it's very hard to grow your own food. Easily, so yes, yeah. I grow, I grow sprouts. So I sprout my own sprouts. Um, but what I would say to you is that what I have done as an example, then I will express to you, is I found people that are experts at growing food. Yeah. Right? Those people, I can't, I wouldn't go to them and say, can you write me an article for People Magazine? Because they're not journalists. They grow food. But you're a journalist. So you can go to that person's expert in growing food on a small level and say, I would like you to grow me food. In exchange, I'll pay you money, but I'll also use my journalistic skills to promote your farm to other people. I'll write articles, I'll get the word out, and we'll create a community because that is what I can contribute, what I have skills that are as important as your food growing skills. Because no matter how much 
you know, I'm not an expert in cucumbers. I'd rather go and have my cucumber grown by the expert. Hey, then, I grew my first cucumber. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. And then I'll invite, and for me, it's like I go to, I get invited to parties, and then I just, my, my farmer enjoys going to parties that he would never get invited to. So I invite him, and it's like I opened up a door for him that he didn't have access to. He opens up the door for me to food. Um, so it's like I like to tell people find the expert in your area and help them achieve an abundance of crops that they have so much food that they are willing to give you their closest to organic, you know, white, healthy, local food because food really does. It's really undervalued. Like when somebody goes to the doctor with a lifestyle issue, they say this chemical can cure your lifestyle issue, the doctors are never going to backtrack and say, well, how many Diet Cokes did you drink today? And find out, well, you had two Diet Cokes, your lunch was a hot dog, your dinner was a you know, a hamburger, and, and you ate Doritos and Pop-Tarts. And, you know, we have kids that go to school and they eat a Pop-Tart and a, you know, a chocolate Frosty, and then we wonder why they're not producing in the classroom. But that's on all levels from infants that, you know, are getting Pop-Tarts through their moms to the elderly. It's just a complete disconnect that our food is about fuel. It's not about flavor. So I don't... Yes! Yes! So, yes! Right? So, I, um... Okay, so when I use a product, um, and I don't make any money on this, but it's called Upgrade. And honestly, um, I love the owner, don't like the taste. I take it every day because it's, you know, increasing blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of my brain, giving me optimal brain health. And it's because it's so full of nutrients and things like Inca Biloba. So, you know, you don't have to love everything. I mean, you, it's better if you like what you drink, <laughs> eat and drink. But, you know, sometimes you have to take medicine and food is your medicine. And I want to go back to my grow your own food comment. Look, I didn't start off by growing my own food, okay? Because I was too sick. I, I couldn't get off the couch, right? I couldn't move. So, you know, start just by getting people a whole food diet. It's made that, that processed food. And if they want, you know, they get their, their stamina up, look for the, find your farmers and like what Tom said. And, um, and then I don't know like what it's like out in uh, Zambia or in South Korea. However, you know, we have in the United States food delivery services that uh, deliver whole foods to the door. One is called Ugly Produce and another one is called Misfit. And what they do is they discount the organic whole food that got blemished. Like, you know, like, because, like, it's less than, right? <laughs> it's not. It all goes down the same way, and it's all good for you. So I would encourage you to explore, you know, in your country what um, food delivery uh, uh, companies you have that are willing to deliver organic food to the door. Mm, but I think that's definitely a good idea. I know our guest has to it's almost uh, midnight here. Oh, is it really? Yep. Wow. Y'all look great. <laughs> Allergy? Oh, sources of iodine, yeah. What are sources of them? Oh, sources of iodine? Oh. Go ahead. I like pulse. 
Are you talking about G-U-L-F-E? The seaweed is called gulf. So kelp is a source, um, uh, but I like dulse as more palatable to me. So you can buy like dulse strips. So it's a, uh, it's a seaweed I buy and it comes in like the coast of Maine, but you can get it in like uh, ocean coasts where there's really clean water. And that has a source of uh, iodine in it. And then you can supplement with iodine as well. Like yeah, I take iodine drops. But... Really high quality uh, <coughs> iodine. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I have a dispensary with fifty thousand products that are shipped anywhere in the world, and um, they, you know, uh, but this, this is what Dulce looks like. But um, you know, again, know your farmer, know your dispensary, know who you're working with, you know, and as reporters, you know, you and journalists, you, you understand the value of that, you know, informed yeah. choices, right? Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Jody. We appreciate you so much for sharing this information. And now we have a way to share it with our global audience. And we've got some journalists from Zambia who can get the word out and maybe inspire women to take control over their bodies. It was a war lecture. Yeah, so thank you, thank you. I am so grateful. Um, Tom, I, I actually have no words, <laughs> which for me to be speechless. Thank you. And actually, I do want to end with one other thing, because I, I did post it, but I didn't actually reference it. So, um, look, people need healing. And so I created this free healing video on YouTube, and there is the link. It's a combination of uh, love, which is frequency 528. <clears throat> it also has brainwave corrections in there, and it also helps people who have PTSD. Is all that listed in there? No, but it's what it's doing. <laughs> it's helping people heal, and, um, and it puts the brain in a theta state, and then another part of it puts the brain in an alpha state, so just a state of creativity and healing. So I encourage you to... Um, run that and and share it with people so they can self-heal yeah and then just so everybody has it my information's on the screen but it's sproutstanding.com so it's like outstanding with the word sprout in front of it and i just want to thank you ladies for being here and my final uh thought without message is that uh, your body is your own domain uh, don't let anybody force you to uh, consume something you don't or put something else into your body that's uh, not beneficial for it because um, those items have never been tested. We don't know what's in them and uh, they don't benefit uh, pregnancy, uh, birth, or, or children. Or life. So stay safe yeah. and have a sprout standing day. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye.